Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. and girls in white and blue and we're back with another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful and very snowy British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. Hi, I'm Steve Bander. Hi, I'm Harjeet. How's it going? Yes, Har is back. It's a busy show, and when there's so much to talk about, we've got to get Har on to, to chat about it. I, I had this show all planned, all the, the four parts, what we were going to do. We had a very exciting interview with a Whitecaps player that we are going to bring you in part two, which meant that the show was going to come out on Tuesday night. But breaking news today has kind of changed things up a, a little bit, so we're going to hold that interview back to the next show and move everything back a segment as well because we have to kick off with the big breaking news of the day. Ding dong! That's the breaking news bell. Nick Bontis has resigned as president of Canada Soccer. So long. Farewell. I really thought the German would come in with Alfida Zane, but there we go. <laughs> Letting us down. Yeah, oh, just t- for anyone that has missed what has been a crazy kind of 48 hours timeline, I'll just quickly recap some, some stuff. On Saturday, Victor Montagliani was re-elected as president of CONCACAF. Nick Bontis was elected unopposed as vice president. A dog just howled in the background. That was perfect timing. I hope I hope the podcast picked that up because that was so apt. <laughs> Even the dogs weren't happy with that. On Monday, TSN's Rick Westhead ran a story that the 13 provincial and territorial members of Canada Soccer had sent Canada Soccer President Nick Bontis a letter demanding his resignation The letter said provincial members had no confidence in Bontis' leadership. And the letter read, With the unanimous support of all members of the President's Forum, I am requesting your resignation as President of Canada Soccer effective immediately. That was President's Forum's Chair Kevin Topolinski, who is from Soccer New Brunswick. The letter continued, The President's Forum, representing the member associations of Canada Soccer, is requesting your resignation due to non-confidence in your leadership of Canada Soccer. 
So, I mean, the one thing we can say about Nick Bontis' tenure is he has united all of the Canadian soccer provincial organisations. I mean, that takes some doing. Well, well done there, Dr Nick. The feeling is that they're also going to be asking for General Secretary Errol Cochrane to resign too, and we'll get to that. Hours later, if even that, Bontis resigned with a letter sent to media stating that he acknowledges that this opportunity to sign a new CBA is historic and that to get it done, the moment requires change. So let's get your first initial thoughts on that. Let's stick, kick things off with Har. What, what did you think when you, you read the, the Rick tweet and then getting that message from Canada Soccer today? I think it's about time. The writing was clearly on the wall. I think maybe it even should have happened uh, last spring with the debacle with the Canadian men's national team over the game in Vancouver against Iran. I think maybe it should have happened then. It was kind of a slow train wreck and it took the women's team threatening to go on strike and then threatening to sue them. All that transpired and kicked off. So I think it's it's a step in the right direction, but I think a lot more needs to transpire and takes place it, it depends on who's going to be the interim president and who's going to lead Canada soccer going forward so it's a small step but I still think a lot more needs to be done and we'll see uh, what happens going forward I think Zach when you receive a letter like that from all the heads of soccer across Canada your, your position's untenable by that point yeah for sure uh, I, yeah and it was, I think, good to see him respond uh, quickly in the way he yeah. did. You, you wish other I will people give him would... credit for that, actually. He did respond yeah. in a very timely manner. You wish other people would recognize that they've lost confidence and, and maybe step aside. But I think, yeah, I think he, yeah, he, I think he did the right thing. I, I will say, I, I, not, and not just to play devil's advocate, I think. There's a lot that Nick Bonas did and uh, a number of ways he approached some things that I didn't like, that I didn't think were the best, whatever. But I do think on some of these things, he also was caught between a rock and a hard place. Um, well, yeah, but, I mean, his hands are tied in, in some regards to, to some of the issues. But But ultimately, hopefully this will help things move forward in a, in a, in a positive way. So, so question about with him resigning, does that mean he cannot be the VP of CONCACAF? Interestingly, no. no. Yeah. Okay. Um, Rick, I think it was Rick Westwood, somebody, I'm pretty sure it was Rick, was speaking to somebody at CONCACAF this afternoon. And I they, thought it was Tannenwald. I thought oh, it was, it was, it was JT. Sorry. Yeah, it was Jonathan Tannenwald, a good friend of the show, that spoke to a CONCACAF representative that said, basically, no. There's nothing in the guidelines to say that he needs to step down now as vice president of CONCACAF. He can still keep that role. You would hope he would have the decency and realise that him staying in that would be a little bit toxic moving forward for some stuff. But yeah, he could stay on. He did stand unopposed. So it's like, is there anyone else actually wanting to stand up to the plate and, and do that job? But I mean, we touched on it right at the off their heart, it does feel that a clean house could be needed here. So does Errol Cochran, the General Secretary, survive? It's hard to know because we don't uh, generally hear from Earl. We know that he always has his phone on, but we don't know what he's 
what he's talking about, what he's thinking, <laughs> what his role is. So I don't know if Earl's going to survive. He might. Uh, we'll see if he gets a uh, promotion or what his role is. Uh, oh, hopefully he moves oh. on and the house is cleaned. I don't know. Uh, we're mentioning uh, uh, Bontus and the CONCACAF Council. I mean, that's pretty uh, nifty. I'm going to leave this job as president, but I've got this one over here in my back pocket. So it's not a bad day for Nick Bontis. And so we'll see what happens to him. And uh, we'll see where Earl goes in his well, telephone. No, I, I mean, that's hard. I think it is a bad day for Nick Bontis. I mean, you're, you're coming off, you know, overseeing your country's first qualification for World Cup. And for him, the I think he was it was saying like, look, I'm also going to be the in charge of yeah. the federation when we host. So I think it's a horrible day for him. If if he wants to continue his um, football fandom, as he likes to talk about, he gets to do it with Concacaf now. Mm-hmm. But uh, so he gets to be involved in in a different way. Which yeah, maybe that's good. Maybe that's bad. It's not a horrible day though. He's got like an ace in his pocket. So yeah, uh, he's still got a job. Bad, he's doing pretty well. But no, but but in terms of the clean house, yes, I think that I think I I probably actually have more concerns with Earl Cochran, <laughs> Earl Cochran than than I had mm. with Montes previously, and I I I I I don't I don't know much about him, you know, whatever. But uh, and I don't know him personally. Um, Bontis I only met only met once, but um, there's just something about Earl Cochran I don't think is the best for. Uh, to see it continuing in this role, the CSA in this moment. And I've had other people tell me, you know, previously in this last whatever year of turmoil, you know, that he, you know, he is qualified and he does bring something to the table. But I think, I think, yeah, I think there are moments in an organization when it is very much needed that the old leadership is replaced. And I think this is, this is one of those for, for Canada soccer. Cochran was with TFC yeah. uh, during their dumpster fire days. So that yeah, doesn't exactly. bring a lot of confidence with Mr. Earl. Yo, yeah, totally hard. That's one of the reasons why I have a sort of a bad taste in my mouth for, for his leadership. So Steve, sure. are you surprised that it took this kind of pressure from the, the provincial associations it feels for Bontis to, to go? I, I think it was a matter of time. There was just so much negativity towards him, and he really had very few people in his corner. Um, there might be some, you know, old-school media types that were not really soccer, you know, in, invested in soccer as much, but I think there were a lot of people that it's just crushing across, like, especially social media. Social media definitely didn't. No, there was nobody there. And in, you got people on the men's side and the women's side, obviously. There was a lot of, like red flags and it just showed uh, that he wasn't really a soccer guy it seemed like and i think that was the biggest thing that really led to his at the end and this obviously this this latest you know event where you know you're basically the whole thing about you know the she believes cup is it's a number two story on tsn and what when does that happen mm. right that's the biggest thing it's like it, it became national news and people were being interviewed and on CBC News and this and that. A huge story. And I think it finally came to think that people are realizing that Canada soccer is not being run very well or efficiently. Because I feel like they should have enough money to do the minimum. And that's all. At this point, is that's the, what the players are asking for. And they can't even get to the minimum at this point. Yeah, I mean, the, 
I, I, I think I said this on the show at the time. I definitely said it to you guys. When I, I was on his introductory media call, I just... I, I took a, an instant dislike to him. There's just something about his personality, for want of a better word, that just I just didn't take to the guy at all. So no tears from me, for sure, that he's moved on. The, the interesting question is who then takes over? Because on previous kind of appointments, you're thinking it's going to be somebody that is head of one of the, the provincial soccer associations right now. I mean, the other alternative is that we go down a different route altogether and maybe appoint a former player to the role. And the, the only one for me that kind of would stand out just now, Zach, would be somebody like Jason DeVos. Director of Development is his official title at Canada Soccer just now. I mean, how would you feel if a player took over? Would DeVos be the guy that could be the, the unifying factor in this? I think DeVos has... Uh credibility uh you know outside of his playing days he's done a lot of work um in uh in looking at what we need to do you know moving forward uh as a footballing nation developing players and he's been involved you know on the uh, the technical side of stuff and the coaching staff side of stuff so he's had i i'd say like two or three like multiple perspectives on on how things are run and what works and what hasn't worked. And so I think he, he might be a, a really good choice. Uh, I, I, it's hard to think about, you know, who, who, who are good candidates for this? Cause this is a, a very, very difficult role in this moment, right? Yeah. Like this Plus is, not, we, not... we also, we don't know all the, the association heads. Yes. Personally. So we don't know who, who's, who's the good ones that would maybe bring fresh ideas. Who's the ones that aren't tainted by maybe previous decisions that that's been made. So it, it's an important appointment, I think. And well, it is very important. Hard. They have to get it right because as, as Bonnet said in his statement, this CBA would be historic if they can actually get it done. And you were obviously down at the She Believes Cup. What was the mood like in general there? Because you spoke to the players in person. I'm sure there was a lot of off-record chats between people that were down there and, and other media. This has to be a decision that they get right, not just for the women's side of things, but the men's side, but also taking Canadian soccer forward in what is a huge four years for them. Yeah, it was not a great mood down there. You could see it hanging over the players just from, you know, talking to them. It's like you'd cover the game. Do you talk about the opponents or the tactics? Uh, for the first availability, uh, four spokespeople came out and they spoke to us. And then they, there's stuff they can't say. Obviously, they want to say stuff, but there's a labor dispute. So, you know, Quinn and Sophie Schmidt and Sinclair and Becky spoke to us. And then Throughout the tournament, you know, we were able to talk to Sheridan, Zadorsky, just get their thoughts on, you know, for a lot of the players, it helped just being on the pitch for those 90 minutes and, you know, taking their minds away from what's happening, away from the pitch and just playing soccer. So from that aspect, that helped. But for a lot of them, you know, it was really hard to separate what's going on behind the scenes. And those, they were asked, you know, can you flip a switch and can you just go and play? And they can't, they, you know, they can't do that because they're, professional athletes but they want to be paid for what they're doing they want to be respected and treated well by the csa and that's not happening so 
it was really tough to be able to like talk to them and kind of write what you want to write about you know the game and what's happening but also behind the scenes and a lot of players I think you know there's contemplating do I want to stay on this national team if I'm being treated like this and I saw today Jenna Hellstrom has announced her retirement from the national team and she was down oh, really? uh, in, down with the team she played in the She Believes Cup so because she had just come on. back to the, the squad yeah she, she did so there's a lot behind the scenes and I'm curious to see if they'll put out a statement of today or tomorrow and see what happens but yeah it was really tough because we want to tell their stories and you know they they're being you know not treated very well so it, it was a, a catch-22 if you will mm. i i got a tweet when i had put out the bonus thing uh just saying bonus is gone happy party face matt melinovich tweeted back you think the replacement will be any better the CSA is broken. And I think that is the danger, Steve, that as Zach touched on, no matter who comes in, they've got a tough job ahead of them. You've got to unite the national team players. You've got to get a deal that they're happy with. You've got to sort out back payments to players. You've got to look at moving forward for youth camps and the World Cup coming up for the women this year, the 2026 World Cup. You've got the provinces not happy with how the game's getting governed just now it's a giant mess and it, it's not going to be an easy thing for someone to come into and just have an immediate fix yeah that's why i think you need to like really rework everything um this season in in a way um if they can get support if the, whoever the new person is and it's somebody that the players are interested in if they could get support from them almost have it as a, a I don't want to call it lost season, but kind of like a re if you want to call it rebuilding season for the national program. And I know and try to give as much support to the Canadian women going into the World Cup, mm. but everything else kind of gets put on a freeze and so that they can rework everything and get ready maybe maybe fourth quarter in this season this year or beginning of next year where they kind of rework everything. I think they need a lot of work. And the the thing is is They'll need quite a few people to help with this, but they can't include too many people because if you have too many people, you have too many self-interests. And I think you need to have, I, I, I don't know what number you would put it on, but you got to do like six or seven or eight, maybe up to 10 people, but you don't want to have it like where you have like a big, you know, committee where you have like a forum of people and everybody's like in a line to ask questions. Like, yeah, that works at Comic-Con, but it's not going to work in this kind of thing. To rebuild the thing, like so, for me, you got to have a you know somebody, a representative from the women's side, representative from the well, maybe two or three from the player side, two or three from the provincial side, and then two or three who are you know kind of overseeing the whole thing. And I think that's that's where you're going to have to do it to rework and figure out the best solution. The thing is, the, the I don't you don't see this in other sports in Canada. Like I, I maybe I'm maybe I'm not following it as much, but they, they, yeah, like hockey has other issues, but they don't have funding issues. Mm -hmm. Um, and and and, and the, there's other places too. The other team, like basketball, doesn't have these kind of funding issues. It seems like ever. And other and the thing is, Canada's uh, sorry, soccer or football, you want to say, is the most registered sport in yep. in this country. Or, or if I'm not mistaken, maybe a little bit more. So there's plenty of fees. And well, they got a lot of sponsorship, and they got a Meds World Cup money coming in, so they should have plenty of money to get this going. And it's speaking like, of fees, they might have to maybe yeah. 
you, you mentioned potential people that we're talking about potential people that can replace another person I throw in there. Um, I know that they haven't had that much, but they uh, like experience maybe in um, uh, in in management. But could could Rita LeBlanc um, could be an option because she was in charge of the Concacaf mm. Women's uh, side too. She was appointed there, so there like there's some maybe she's not right away, but maybe she's somebody down the road that could be in charge of Canada Soccer. That would be an interesting one. Har, would that excite you? I think that would be a really good, strong heart. I think it'd be a good option, but I will point out she's currently with Portland. That yeah, has it's, just it's, had a bevy of scandals and oh, yeah, off the pitch true. issues. So I don't know <laughs> so if that's where so you want used, to go, but she's used to a mess. But she's used to, yeah, she's used to a mess, sorry. We'll see. I don't know. But, but you might want to get away from that. But that, that's the thing. When you brought up this, the subject, Michael, of former players, like, yeah. It might seem like, oh yeah, bringing a former player, they'll be able to work with the players better. But being on the other side of things will might create even like more problems, right? So you might bring in someone like a, you might want to bring in someone like a Karina and be like, oh yeah, obviously she's going to be able to hammer this out, and the players will get what they want, and Karina will be able to look at the federation's needs. But I don't think it's that simple. No, but yeah, but the thing is, you, like, if you bring a balance, like, if you have maybe, like, you have one position is a former player, one position is somebody that maybe is more accustomed to admin. Like, if you have all the people like Cochran and Bontis who, you know, have never been part of that, then it kind of is unbalanced. If you have a balance of, you know, your lead council or lead, you know, committee or whatever, that's where it would come in handy. Mm. Last thing in this part, and talking of fees, and I wonder if this was the tipping point for the provincial organisations because on Friday it was kind of leaked that Canada Soccer has a strategy to raise almost $5 million to help reverse the course of cuts to the national team programming and that strategy appears to be to ask families to pay an extra $11 a year in registration fees for players across Canada and I think that didn't go down well when it got out with families and players and people in general. I also don't think it went down well with the provincial organisations. And I don't know if that was the final tipping point that they've just lost all confidence in them. Because, you know, they need to raise money because the CSB deal is still hanging above them like a dark cloud. Lots of folk are being invited to Heritage Committee to speak out about the CSB deal. The feeling is they're going to invite CSB executives. Bontis looks like he's still going to get asked along to testify in it. So, I mean, that's all a mess. So they're looking to raise money from somewhere. Adding it on to the the players doesn't feel like the way to go when you're raking in all these sponsorship deals. Well, interestingly enough, I had a conversation just this last Friday with someone who has started a non-profit that helped deal with uh, how much money is paid by by players, by families to play at the higher levels of the game as you're developing as a young person. Uh, and he, uh, he, I think, will, will happily be a guest for us at some point down the road, Michael. A very long-haired uh, David Osted. Yes, you did mention that to me. So, yeah, we will get David on the show soon. But, obviously, we're recording this on Monday afternoon. This is going to have a lot of very quick moving parts. By the time this podcast comes out, who knows what has is going to have been announced. Right now, there hasn't been a statement from the Canadian Soccer Players Association. We'll see what else comes out. We'll cover that down the show. But we'll move away 
from the mess of Canada Soccer just now on to, to something much, much more fun. The Whitecaps start to this season. They'll be back chatting about that after this. Hi, I'm Jovian Braun and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's the final song from our Artist of the Month here at AFTN for the month of February from London, England, post-punk pioneers, television personalities. That was their debut single, released in 1978. You can find it on a number of their compilation albums. That was 14th Floor. And as I was kind of putting this show together, I, I thought, it's, it's great. I, I kept this song for the last one, and I was like, the 14th floor, because obviously I spoke how confident I was the Whitecaps were going to get off to a great start, and I thought, they're going to be on the 14th floor, they're going to be on the summit, looking down at the other 13 teams underneath them in MLS West after a very impressive season-opening performance. Sadly, that is Seattle that is on the 14th floor after the first weekend of matches. Sitting at the top of the summit, looking down. Whitecaps, they finished Saturday night on the 5th floor. Managed to rise up to the 6th floor by the end of Monday night. And now we're just left wondering, what button are they going to push? Are they going to be going up? Or are they going to be going down to the basement? Yeah, let's see if they push the, the right button. Because we're going to talk Whitecaps, RSL, in this part. The only one of us that was actually at BC Place on Saturday was Har, who kept sending me messages about how cold she was. <laughs> I decided it wasn't too bad snow as I looked out my window, but I looked at the forecast and I thought, it's going to be really crappy. I don't fancy getting home in that. And it was a good decision, looking at some of the things that got stuck in the intersection outside my house right as the game was ending. So we'll, we'll get into all of it. The game, it offered so much, you felt at half time. But by full time, the enthusiasm, the confident sapping defeat, it was like a bit of a, a gut punch. I'll start with Har, 
you watched it play out live. At half time, you must have thought, oh, this team's looking good. How are you feeling now? Uh, I'm feeling okay. My foot is still a bit sore. Have you warmed up? <laughs> yeah, I have my hoodie on. I'm going to make a brew after this. So I'm feeling a little bit better now. Oh, did you mean the game? Yeah, for anyone that doesn't know, Har hurt her foot tripping over a rat, I think you said it was, in New York. That's not what happened. You said it was a giant rat. Pizza rat. <laughs> Pizza rat. She, um, she sent me very interesting photos of all these bags of garbage on the street, and it's like, hey, no wonder there's so many rats in New York. It was crazy. Yeah, they got a lot of rats there. But yeah, the game. Yeah, the, the first 60 minutes for the Whitecaps, they were really great for the first 60 minutes. They obviously should have had more than one goal. They created a lot of chances. They're very dangerous offensively, and RSL got nothing going, you know, offensively for those first 45 minutes against the Whitecaps. The defense was strong. They cleared everything. They moved the ball up through the lines. The second half, though, I don't know what happened because the Whitecaps switched off. They did not generate enough chances. Uh, Takayoka had to make a whole bunch of saves early in the second half, and then obviously he could not continue that because the defense in front of him was out to lunch. I don't know where they were. But they were not defending. Well, and you could argue he, they weren't in front of him. Yeah, they weren't. <laughs> where they needed to, to be. These, he had to make these incredible saves, which obviously he was not able to do. But yeah, the defense was lousy and it cost them a win. Did you call him tapioca? Takeoka. Oh, ta that's, what I, that's what I heard too. Yeah. <laughs> I, I heard takeoka, so okay. <laughs> I don't know what you yeah. two are hearing. Audio Always thinking of your stomachs, that's what it is. <laughs> Zach, what, what is your just general thoughts of the of the first match of the season. Did it did it fill you with excitement for the next 33? Uh, uh, 33 think... to 50, depending on how the season goes. Right. Uh, I think for Whitecaps fans, I think the bottom line is they got outcoached. Uh, I think, mm. and I know there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot of rash hashtags and whatever comments online, but I think when you look at that game, one coach changed how they played at halftime and one didn't and can we guess the, who's who the one who did you know turn change the game uh i think i'll let i'll let I, i'll let steve talk about zonal marking later yeah but, i was looking forward to it i'm glad steve's on the show yeah <laughs> i mean i mean that's the that's the that's it's hard not to see much more than that like yeah you could say like hearted you know some they created enough to score more than one in the first half for sure um, there was lots of encouraging signs in the first half, but once the opponent adjusted, there was no counter adjustment, and that is um, that that can't that can't happen mm. at this level. So, what's your general is, thoughts, Steve? Because we haven't had you well, on for the preseason build up and things yeah. were going well, so we thought, well, we'll get you on when it's not. Well, maybe it's my <laughs> fault then. Um, clearly, I'm the jinx. Uh, but in this in this game, it's basically box management. Um, RSL had plenty of it. You know, Har talked about all the chances in the first half, and they did have chances, but they were able to clear those chances. And they did they, while they were easy, they weren't dangerous. Like I felt like um, McMath they really didn't have to make that many saves, even though the Whitecaps were in scoring position um, because the defenders knew where they needed to be. But if you look at the other side, like. It's a comparison. And compare, there was a cross earlier in the first half where it, it sailed over everybody. It was a Whitecaps cross and it sailed over everybody, but nobody was at the far post. And what happens in the second half? Uh, uh, 
across over there and Justin Glad's right there to knock it in. And clearly nobody thought of identifying that zone in the box because nobody was there to mark that guy. He just came out of nowhere. And they were all them and the keeper, I'm I'm gonna butcher his name. Takaoka? Yeah. Okay, Takaoka. Takaoka basically thought it was offside because he goes, if if how could that guy be so open if yeah. he was like onside? Because he was called, and it was clearly onside. Because when I but watched I think, the back, it's like, what is he appealing for? Yeah, yeah but I think he, he's just seeing a guy like by himself over there. He's thinking he's offside. That's yeah. how open he was. So I think it was just like, like he wasn't expecting it. So um, the, the, the problem is they play the zone in, in training, but there's never a white catch player in that zone. So that zone yeah. doesn't exist when they're training against it. Oh well, yeah, I guess I don't. I like I, I'm not at the training session, so I don't know where they're where they're placing people. But clearly, somebody need. Even if there were number of players that were with Glad at, at the, you know, because Glad came had a running start, none of them followed him. <laughs> they all stood stood in their zone, like just stand there. Like I don't understand Is zonal marking standing. You still got to move around in your zone in order to see, <laughs> yeah, there, watch players. It was crazy. There was a line of like what five or six of them. Just yeah. It, it, yeah. it's, it, it, I think that's what it is, box management. And it's, it's been in past years, too. They never seem to know where to put people. There's never a white cap at the far post ever since Jordan Harvey left. Um, there hasn't been a player at the far post. And I, and 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 because that's the remember that season he scored a lot of goals. It was all at the far post, it seemed like. And so and and they don't I, I don't want to say Mark, they don't zone people. Um, in, in, in the box. So, yeah, I, I, I don't get it, this team, at all. And I think they deserve, if you look at their full performance, they should have won this game. And they should have had yeah. it won in the, in the first half and or by the 60th minute. They should yeah. This game should have been done and dusted. And they let RSL in the game. And that's the way RSL plays. And there was a crazy stat where RSL has won so many opening matches in, yeah, in the they, thing. Yeah, they're unbeaten in 14 straight seasons and opening Season day. openers. And most of them are on the road. 2023, 13 of those 14 on the road. Yeah. That's so, just, that's tremendous Hopefully we don't stuff. have them come again next year. I know, it's like, if they get offered the RSL, it's going, nah, nah, you're okay. Yeah. I would just like to say far back right post. You can't blame Jake for that one. I was awaiting you just... Oh, you beat me to it. I was awaiting yeah. to throw to you and go, so hard is it all Jake's fault? Yeah. He well, was at fault the St. Louis for game. one of the goals in St. Louis, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, he made up for it in his own game. <laughs> the the lineup going into this one. Now, Har and me had seen what it was when we turned up to training on Friday, and I, I was a little surprised Laborda didn't get the start. They moved Blackman into the middle and they had Brown at right back. Now, obviously, when Brown gets the opening goal, you think, oh, well, you can't knock Vanny for that. It's it's paid off. They've kept a clean sheet in the first half. Brown's got the goal. Maybe it, it was quite good. In hindsight, I think we need to get Laborda in there. And for sure. I don't understand in the home opener, when by all accounts, he's had a really good pre-season why he did not get the start in that that match? It's probably sports sciences. The maybe the, maybe the didn't understand the zones. He, oh, I don't know. Yeah, it could be. Still learning the zones. That's obviously what it is. Daho getting the start. I was happy with that. I'd have had him instead of White. Uh, actually, are the White Caps? It's obviously there's been sponsor changes. Are the White Caps still? Do they still have a sponsorship deal with Clearly Contacts? Sure. Because uh, maybe they should give it to Brian White if he thought the goal 
in that first half? Was that the corner flag when that ball came in for him? He's oh, oh, a, he, he's in, he is in poor form. He would have had that that bonus goal we always like talk about in the, re, the old residency games when they they had the net in the far corner. And oh yeah, the goal goes in there. It's a bonus. I, I had to put in my match report uh, a very out of form Brian White, and someone replied, "Going that's generous." Yeah. <laughs> like, the, like the thing is with Brian White too, he didn't even have to head it. He was so wide open in the box, like he could have yeah. even. Brought it down to his feet and scored. He made a goal. cup of tea, got a custard cream off her, and still gone <laughs> back and tucked that way in the corner. Could there were other chances like Tabioka pudding. Yes. Um, Dahomey not chipping the keeper at McMath, like uh, when mm. he just like, couldn't get a handle on it. He could have chipped him, and that would have been in. There's so many like lost chances for them. The, uh, was Cordova just not match fit to, to, to start? Yeah. So yeah, okay. he's still he's still getting up to speed. I mean, so Michael, you you would have had you would have had Dajo up front for White, and you would have Vite next to the gold. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. That's I could I could see that. The I mean, it was it was a good first half performance. I I had someone messaging me going, "What is this team? Is this Barcelona?" Just the way that they were knocking the ball about. The ball movement was great. That was Will the, Silver, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to name him. Because obviously, it then all went horrible in the second half. It was more like Barcelona's under twelve team in the second well, half. Well, actually, it's like Barcelona this year. Oh, fair, <laughs> fair. Uh, there were a few scrambles at the back in the first half. Not much more. Javain Brown gets the go-ahead goal, which, when I first saw it, I thought, "Oh, great header." Then I saw a replay. I was like, "Oh, it's more just kind of hit off his shoulder." Then I saw it from another angle, and it was it was a fair enough header. I think McMath should probably have done better with it. Yeah, because he, he got a hand to it, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, That's the I, one you kind of want to at least get pushed away, if nothing else, and yeah. see what happens after that. It didn't look great for McMath, um, but he did enough to get them a victory. Yeah, and it, it was it was great for Javine's confidence. No one expected him to get the start. But his goal made him the 12th Whitecap player to get a season opening goal. So I gave me a, a bit of an idea here. We're going to have a fun game. I know how much you all like your game, so... Zach's got his hand up already. I want to answer. I know the question I want to ask. Well, I've got various questions. Oh. So you can jump into some of them, and then I'm going to go around you all to see. And I'm going to check to see whose fingers are fiddling. I don't want to see any fiddling. There. Okay, question one. Javane Brown became the 12th player to score a season opening goal for the Whitecaps in 13 seasons. Who is the only player to have scored in two first goals of a season for the Whitecaps? Obviously. Uh... I see her fiddling. Is it Eric? No. Is it Eric? No. Was it Camilo? No. no. Th th this is this is how hey, wait. this it, is how entertaining the Whitecaps have been recently. <laughs> That's all I'll say. Uh, it's not. Did someone say Octavio? No. It happened in twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two as the two seasons. Oh. Oh, COVID years. So it's recent. I was there. That's why I said. Was it Jake? No. It Didn't was Jake, yeah. Lucas Cavallini. Oh. oh. 
He's. I think he's dead to everyone. Yeah, so we've forgotten him already. Yeah. But Did that, he get a yellow card in those games? Probably. Though? I, I would be one of them. Yeah, I remember that. Who has scored the quickest first goal of the season for the White Caps? Uh, what what position is it? Scorer. Uh, <laughs> the White Caps have a position scorer, Michael? They did in this re- year. I don't remember very many first quickest, goals. Quickest. They don't quickest. usually score. Uh, Pedro Morales. No. No. Uh, Sebastian, Fernand- that- Sebastian Fernandez? No. You're, ha- you're halfway right. Uh, Nicholas uh, Mosquito. No. Because they were they were they were acquired at the same time. That's what I thought. Sebastian oh. Bearhalter? No. no. You're halfway right. Sebastian. Someone named Sebastian. Sebastian Leroux? The two. The two. Yes. That's why I remember. This is badly letting down our knowledge of the white caps. I'm trying to forget. Well, I'm waiting. It. There's one question I know. I know the answer to. I'm waiting for it. Ah. I know one of the, the first goal scorers. So we we've scored in the first game of the season in all but two MLS seasons. What season did we not get our first goal of the year oh. until the third game of the Was year? That, uh, That's got to be Carl Robinson year. No, one of them is just recent. One of them because they lost for the first time under MDS, I think. I want right? to say 2019. Yeah, no. something like 2020. No, 2020 they lost, but they scored. 2017. No. 2014. 20, 20, 21. Closer. 2020. 20, no. 22? Yes, 2022. Oh. Oh, Last okay. season, no one seems to have any memory of this. I don't have any memory of any games. I just remember a certain... I don't have any memory like, of anything beyond this year, like, to be honest. Like, first goals, I don't know. It just isn't the computer. It has to be a big goal for me. There's one that sends out... To, there's a couple that send out to me, but... Yeah, yeah. well, th- this this final part of our quiz is not going to go well then. Because mm-hmm. I was going to go around you all one at a time, starting with Har, to say we- we've named Lucas Cavallini. Yeah. We've named Sebastian Latou. We've named yeah. Javain Brown. So that's three of the 12 players that have scored season opening goals for the Whitecaps. Yeah. I just want you to name, and we're going to go around the ball, Zach, one at a time. We're going to want you to name me one other player that scored a season opening goal, starting with Har. There's nine um, together. I'll go with Eric Hassley. Correct. In 2011. Steve. I want to say... Gershon Kofi. Oh, come on! Yes, correct, Steve. 2013. Yeah, that's the one that... minute winner against TFC. Oh. I'm not going to remember any of the others. You know, like, you know when you don't need information, like on your computer, and you, like, put it in the trash can, you press empty? Okay, I, I, I'm going to say Octavio Rivero? Yes, in 2015. Yeah. yeah. So we've got 11, 12, 13, and 15 taken care of. 2014. Oh, I know We've that still one. got a guy that we're I looking for. Har, give me a name. For what? For any any a- years? Any player that has scored the very first goal of the season for the Whitecaps. I'm going to go out on a limb and say E-Money. Yes, 2017. Nice. Second minute in the second game of the season away to San Jose. He only scores big goals and then does nothing else for the rest of the year. I'm impressed so far. Steve. I'm, I think Jordan Harvey scored once. Yes, 2016. 
right in the stroke at half time. The first game against Montreal, a 3 2 loss. That's the loss I was thinking of. Okay. So we've got uh, 2014, 18, yeah. 19, 20 to still get. Okay. The 14 one, I know three of the four scorers. Uh, but I'm going to guess, did if it's not, yeah, okay, I'll go Kenny Miller. Yes. Okay. Well, that's not fair. You pointed at yourself. Well, because in that game, it was Kenny Miller scored and Pedro Morales and Sebastian Fernandez. I'll give you all the three of you clues for the last three. So we're looking for 2018, which is one of Har's favourite interviews. Freddie Montero? <laughs> no. Well. 2019 and 2020. Now, it's a free-for-all. See what you can shout at. Um, Is Eric Godoy one of them? Yes, in 2019. Nice. Yeah, I got three. Veselinovich? Uh, no. no. I thought maybe you got an old goal. <laughs> <laughs> did did Jake get one in like twenty? Yes. Nice. And the last one, Har's favorite interviewee. What year? Twenty eighteen. Oh, that could have just been. recently been transferred to a new team. Kai Kamara. Kai Kamara, yes, yes, Kai Kamara in twenty eighteen. So that was I a bit of fun. Kai I'm sure you all did better awesome. at home. Boys that Kai Kamara is awesome. Kai Kamara is awesome. And yeah. I would have loved to have him back here. My two favorites. My two favorites, obviously, Eric Hasley and Gershon Kofi. Eric was because of it was so momentous. And then Gershon Kofi because it was momentous for, for us he as didn't well. didn't score many goals. He well, and he came over and celebrated. And he celebrated. No, that was a different game. He celebrated after. But yeah, I think that was the first day we did like a post-match Celebration and jersey swap. So I think one of our, I think my son, we're talking my son about, has a jersey. I think. While we're talking about former players who played for the White Cats, shout out to Tim Parker for having yeah. the first goal, first goal for St. Louis. Oh, we will come to that in our MLS roundup in the next part. Oh, I can't wait till then, Michael. I know. Right away when he scored, before I did anything, I tweet, I messaged her. <laughs> when Timmy scored, did you I, message her right when when Jake allowed the other goal? I did message her and say Jake's at fault for it. <laughs> he wasn't just at fault, but I would I like to have seen I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear such things. Right, let's get back to Whitecaps RSL and the horrible second half that we have to talk about. We have touched on, on some of it already. RSL, as Steve mentioned, they kind of just took the game by the scruff of the neck in that second half. I don't know what happened to the Whitecaps and it is a difference in halftime team talks possibly from the coaches right. and one coach just managed the game differently in the second half. The Whitecaps kind of felt, it wasn't that they were resting on their laurels, but they kind of seemed to go that they just wanted to knock the ball about and not kind of just go for the jugular and get that killer second. I, th- I think one of the things that, that um, one of the adjustments that uh, Mastriani made, was Mastriani, yeah, Mastriani, yeah. right? Yeah. I, I'm a big fan of his. I, I think he's a yeah. great coach. Pablo. Um, one of the things I think he did was in the first half, I think they were pressing the Whitecaps a lot, and the Whitecaps were getting some joy from um, uh, sort of uh, uh, either breaking through the press or or countering the press. And in the second half, I think they stopped through that. They 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 stood off them more, and uh, they weren't able to they weren't able to create the way they did in the first half. The Whitecaps certainly gave up the, the ball. They seemed happy to just let RSL knock it about. And then we had the Takaoka show. Four saves in a six-minute spell. The one to turn away Julio 
his kind of cross that came in, I, yeah. I, the one across goal, that was probably the best for me, closely followed by the sprawling one to turn away Saverino. Yeah. Now, small sample size, but it does feel like this is a big upgrade here on what we saw in goal for the Whitecaps the last couple of seasons. Well, maybe last season. I don't know if it's an upgrade on Max, you could say, but... Uh, yes, after one game, though, it is an upgrade. Um, he made some very sharp, some key saves. It looked like he was keeping them in the game for the first part of the second half when RSL was trying to find an equalizer. Obviously, that was not sustainable. But, yeah, I think he made some key saves. I think as the season goes on, he's going to get more comfortable with his defenders and Yusuf and playing on that wonderful pitch there at BC Place. So I think in the first game, yeah, it's a good start. It's a good opening game for him. We'll see how he progresses. Obviously, there's a lot of games. I don't expect him to play all yeah. of them. But from like a first game, good review, good positive uh, play from Yohei. I'm a, I'm a little bit concerned. about. But I know some people mentioned this obviously before. I think he's a good shot stopper. I think uh, it's encouraging that he's good with his feet. I think um, he, I think his lack of size will will be an issue. See, I don't I, know that it is, but I, I know a lot of folk have made a lot off this. He reminds me, I guess, in an MLS context. I was thinking about this. He reminds me of you know we were playing Salt Lake. Reminds me of Nick Romando, who was a great shot stopper, but it was also not super tall. He was yeah, also one of the best goalkeepers in MLS, Steve. It's he like was. if he's if he well, ends up like a Nick Romando, I'll bite your hand off for that. Mar he, Marius he, Marius always said, "Go for the post, go for the yeah, post." When you're yeah. playing Nick Romando, so that's that's where one of the first goal went for for sure at the post. Yeah, but, yeah. I, but I do I do agree that overall, I definitely think it's an upgrade for them. So, so that first goal, are we going to talk about the goal yeah. that we gave up? Uh, that first goal, if you look at the replay. Yes, the we already talked about it, the zonal marking. And if you look at the box when the goal goes in, everybody's in the middle of the box. Yeah. Nobody's even spread out in the box. But also, that's so much time. Nobody like they need to spread people out. They had that guy in the, you know, the you know, around I don't know, the 30, 40 yard mark that crossed it in. Um he would have so much time to like figure out where he wanted to put it. Yeah, uh, it's they, like they, to... they didn't expect the corner to go there and they didn't know what to do to defend it. Yeah, and, and there was just one person covering the wide areas. Like, if they had a winger, they might be able to cover the that wide area and figure out what to do. Well, Vanny doesn't like wingers. Yeah, I know. But um, but seriously, they had, like, it was like a single-file line of yeah. people in the box. And I don't know how you don't move, you don't you don't follow people running into the sp spaces. It just doesn't make sense to me. So if that was a big thing. Like, yes, the box was an issue, but not g giving so much space to them, it was just a, such a bad call. But Hart, there was eight white caps in the box, four RSL players. Two of those four players didn't have a man picking them up. And there's five, arguably six white caps players that are in their zone and they don't actually have a man. It's just absolutely incredible. Yeah, it was some bad defending. Uh, the white caps just didn't look set. If you look at the replay, they don't look ready. They don't look set for when that ball is coming in. And I think uh, Vanny postgame, he said that Javain, you know, he made the right decision in regards to the zone. He can only mark a certain area. So he marked the right decision area. But then I'm like, what about the other guy? He's just going in and scoring the goal. So yeah. I don't know who the other guy was that's supposed to mark it if Javain's in the right spot. But yeah, I, was, that, I was confused by that. And yeah. I didn't know about that. Yeah, answer. It was that, a bit that, was a, that was a crazy 
crazy response, right? If, if it wasn't Javain's fault, it, then who it was clearly it? was somebody else's. The person who was at the near the top of the box, because if you look at it again, there's like five, six people at the edge of the box mm-hmm. when you, you're covering a corner. Like it's just, yeah, I, I have a feeling you're you're right. They probably weren't set, ready to go. But when the balls in, like you had enough time for the setup. I don't know what it was like. Maybe we have to look at the replay to see how much time they had to set up, but it shouldn't take you that long to figure out. You had preseason training. You should know where, what zone you're supposed to be in. And, and, and I'm sorry, if somebody, if your zone is near the top of the box, like at the edge of it, and somebody runs in towards the net, Hey, have a follow. Yeah, see you what he's up to. Have to have line. awareness of what's going there on was around. Two lines and two lines. Like imagine, like my my maybe the guy was concerned if I leave my zone and 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 but yeah, but I stop the goal from going in. Will I st- will I get in trouble? Maybe I'll get benched because I didn't see in my zone. I'm seriously concerned about that. But people, when you get zonal marking, are they how strict are they? I know. I mean, if if Vanny's defending it, then and it's like okay, fair enough. Javain had his man in that zone. That's who he was looking at. But then, as you say, someone then was in a zone that they shouldn't have been in. So there was all these Whitecaps players that didn't have a man. They were they were marking space. And to be fair, the space didn't score. So they did a good job there. They managed to keep space off the score sheet. It's a bit of a mixed zone. But they all looked like they were marking the same space, didn't yeah. they? They were all, like you said before, they were all jumbled up in the middle. It was, yeah, mixed. Or, or in a line in the middle, anyways. I mean, the the only other thing you could maybe say is, should Takaoka have come out for to punch that ball away? Or did he rightly feel that one of those defenders was going to deal with that cross coming in? Yeah, just... with the ex- expectation of eight people being in the box, maybe he thought that... Because like, it did... They weren't set up... He Like, they weren't set up to take the cross in from that angle. So maybe he was trying to adjust it. Maybe he figured it was going to be a short cross and he was going to have to stop it on the line. Uh, maybe he felt he was going to get to it because he it was too hard to judge. From, mm-hmm. But if you look at like number 16 sending in the cross, he still has so even when the once the, the Whitecaps player gets close to him, he just stops. He doesn't keep moving. Like, what are you worried about? Even if he outdates you, there's eight people behind you. Sure, they might not be able to leave their zone, but there's still eight people behind you. I really got to get away from this zone. Yeah. Well, the second goal wasn't much better because, again, Vanny after the game said that everyone did everything right uh, and it was just one split second of mistiming, I think he said of Kubis, that it all kind of unraveled and it's like, I'm not so sure about that. Savarino danced into the box. Neither Kubis nor Brown, I felt, covered themselves in glory with it. It was played back to Krylak, who had had a really quiet game. They'd kind of kept him at bay. And Dam- Damir un- unleashed a curler past Takaoka, what proved to be the winner. But Krylak, again, was just wide open to get onto that ball. Again, Mike, I think it's a failure of communication to talk about these goals in this way from the head coach. <laughs> like... You, you can't go around I mean, saying I, I will everyone say did everything split, perfect. Split instant after the game. So maybe when he yeah. sits down over the weekend and looks at it back, he, like when we speak to it him could be. this but, week, he might have but a different it, 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 it. That doesn't matter. You can't say everything. everyone did everything perfect, but we still got scored on. Like that's not, I I, I don't know. It was a good well, finish, but it, it, it he was wide poss- open to get the ball. Yeah, I know. It is possible to do that if somebody has an individual effort in order to make the goal happen. It could You could see that, but... 
when you have like like the two players that were near Krylak when he shot the ball, they were basically ball watching and they weren't really paying attention to what's coming up behind them. And that's a major issue with the Whitecaps. You have other teams that pay attention, have a good surroundings and good, good like um, knowledge of what is coming up in the box. You just can't pay, pay attention to the boxes. Then you're going to get stuck up on. Mm-hmm. And it was like the first goal and the second goal, which is only like three minutes after the first goal. It wasn't even yeah. that big of a gap. So, uh, it was just they weren't paying attention. They they should be have knowledge of what's coming in into the box in order to make sure because you can't. It's not a guarantee that you know Kubas and Brown are going to be able to stop that ball, get control of that ball. So it's just it's just really poor, like very poor awareness when you're in the box of what's coming in there. It's like it, it just needs to change. And, and the reason why I'm harping on this so much is because the Whitecaps. Since their inception in MLS, seem to always have that problem. Never good awareness in the box. Yeah, I mean, after falling behind, they didn't really have anything. It felt to to get back into it, and it was a disappointing end to a promising start. I've kind of split a couple of other things into like good, bad, and ugly. So on the good side, it was good to see Javain Brown with a goal. I think it's great for his confidence. Some of the fast-moving interplay in the first half was great to see, and having that extra man kind of getting forward that Vanny wants was paying off in the first 45 minutes. I thought Kubis was getting forward well in the box-to-box role. You had Takaoka's saves in the, the second half. That was all the big positives f- for me from it, unless anyone's got anything else to throw in there. Zach? Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think good job on the Whitecaps for getting, you know, selling almost 20,000 tickets, mm. you know, with a, with so much snow. I think had there not been snow, I think they would have easily gotten the twenty thousand that they yeah. were predicting. And good thing on the on the all the fans who who made it out, you know, aside from from Har Harrier, of course, or in addition to Harrier, like it looked like the people who went had a lot of fun marching in the snow. And I think in general the atmosphere in the stadium seemed good on the broadcast. And um, I think that that was a, uh, I mean, the, and I you know I know people in the stadium were stoked at halftime. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I think there was a lot of positives, you know, from that part of things for the, for Vancouver. I was cock a hoop. I thought we we're going to go on and get the three 0 prediction that I'd put down. What did I, I said three two, right? Yeah, yeah. I was watching. I was watching some show this week where someone used the phrase cock a hoop, and the person had no idea. Oh yeah, it was fantasy football league, and one of the presenters, I think it was Mark Lucas, had said cock a hoop, and one of the other guys had no idea. What they were talking about. So it's not just you guys that have never heard that phrase before when I first used it. I miss fantasy football. That was fun. The bad side of things. I didn't think Tristan Blackman was great uh, in this game. There was a couple of lapses from him. I would like to have seen him more, as I said, on the right backside. Not capitalising on that first half play with more than just one goal was bad as well. And I I joked about that miss from White, but that was a horrible effort from White. Do you mean like right back or right center back? I'd like Blackman as right back. Oh, okay. Uh, And Laborda in the middle. Or we get rid of Veselinovic and have Blackman and... And Laborda. And Laborda in there as well. Martins, I didn't think was great, if we're still talking about the defense as well. I liked the glimpses that we saw of Ali Ahmed, and Ali's obviously going to get minutes over the course of the season Martins had a great end to the year and I I was I'd have had him in as a starter now I'm not so sure 
I'd maybe throw Ali in for the San Jose game. I didn't think Martins was that bad. I do agree, though, that Ali came on and he was uh, he added impetus to the side. He he, he I, I, thought, I thought actually thought oh they're going to hit an equalizer here with the way he was with some of the passes he was making and his uh, and his movement forward. In terms of in terms of the bad, yeah, like I said before, I think the lack of uh, being able to readjust to Salt Lake's adjustments at the half is stands out like head and shoulders above anything else. How big a problem is Brian White's form just now? He's obviously on a big ticket at Har. I know you spoke a lot to him last year about his up and downs and his injuries and everything. He just seems so out of form. Is it just going to be a case if he gets that goal that he's just going to get that confidence back? He just did not seem at it at all on Saturday. I think confidence is a huge factor with Brian White. He had you know, not a great season last year. He had all the injuries. He had the, the COVID and just fighting to get healthy all throughout last season. So coming into this season, you know, he's he's the number one striker until Cordova comes in and kind of takes over if he does do that. So there's a lot of, maybe there's a lot of pressure on Brian White. Maybe there's a lot of expectations and missing that first chance is not a good start to the year, but I would still give him uh, some more time to see how he gets going. Obviously the offense called and Gressel and the home, you know, it was okay. It wasn't great. They created the chances. They just didn't finish all those chances. So I wouldn't say it's all Brian White. I would just say because he had the miss, that's what we're talking about. So I think it's a collective effort. And if, if if some of the guys can get going in turn, I think it will help guys like Brian White to get going as well. Two, two things. One, it's not an if, it's a when Cordova takes over. Yeah. But two, my, my other thing I wanted to ask is um, mm-hmm. as poor as Brian White, I think, was both in front of goal and in some of his movement going forward, do you th- still think that Vanny will appreciate his overall contribution to pressing and and how they play of course yeah i think he will i don't think that's the right way to look at it though i don't think that's what the team is needing just now and the fact he's got no goals in pre-season either is a huge concern i was going to actually ask vanny on friday how concerned he was but i thought i'll save that maybe the day before the season opener in front of all the media there's maybe not the best time to ask him that question so i'll save that for his midweek call this week i i i think for me the 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 whole thing about brian white is i think he's going to be more valuable off the bench eventually i think once cordova whatever is match fitness or figures out where he's going to be, like like with the, the, their technique and what he needs to do. I think he'd be the ideal guy up front. I'd like to see either um, uh, Christian Dahomey or somebody else play alongside him instead of Brian White and have Brian White as an option off the bench. So if they need to do pressing, they do the pressing in the second half because they they need that spark of off the bench on the second half. And I think Brian White's more valuable there instead of because you could see the first the second half of this game they had like uh, yeah Ali Ahmed but they didn't have anything up front to put push RSL and I think Brian White might not be somebody that can go 90 minutes and might be somebody better off the bench I think Dajo with uh with Cordova front will be quite interesting Steve as well yeah hopefully as well when Caicedo is we can get him back involved I, I, I think their formation was bad too I'm not a huge fan of this Christmas tree if it was the Christmas tree that they were because that's the way they showed it on on Twitter uh, yeah. It was a four-three-two-one. I I personally would prefer because I think people might get in the way of Kubas. I like Kubas by himself in front of a back four. So I like a four-one-three-two or something like that. Mm. If you're going to do something, or a four-one-four-one or something like that. 
Uh, like that's what I'm looking for when I'm I'm I, I want a formation. I just think Kubas doesn't need to have that many people hanging around him. I think it put him off his game a little bit because he had too many people in that zo- in, in in the area. I was gonna say zone again. <laughs> I think maybe they missed a certain Tussaint Ricketts off the bench for the last 15 minutes there. They could have done it with some spark. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I mean. Brian White yeah. could be the Tosin Ricketts uh, type of player that they need. Off Paying the him too much, though. That's what Simon him. Betcher, you're looking for him to be this year. Yeah, but you can't have everybody, all, everybody on the field. So you need to put people mm. in their spots. Yes, he's an expensive player, but where has that harmed Vancouver in the past? We always it, talked about how much money they had on the bench. It ta- the toss work. Toss worked harder yesterday than some of the players, man. He did the full day's work. He was out. He did. Supporters. Yeah. He was engaging yeah. with people. Leave him alone. Yeah. He, he do his job. What, what, what were your thoughts of Cordova? Because he. The, is this okay? Yeah, as far as we know, yeah. Okay. There was times he, he showed some decent hold up play, but there was also times he was just kind of running around as if he'd never met the guys in his life before and like uh, lumbering around like a newborn foal out there. So. I we'll need to see a few games to see what he's like, but hopefully he is the guy that they need up there. He's certainly got the height. The concern is last year he, the, when he was with RSL, he had a slow start as well. Yeah, and I think yeah, because that was all his goals, on. Yeah, all his goals came in the second half of the season, or, or a high majority of them came. So hopefully he doesn't. We don't have to do that waiting for him. He's um, the, he's the, the Utah Brian White. Yeah. Couple of ugly things for me. One, the defending on both goals, as we've talked about, especially the first one, continuing to mark space and not actual human beings. But the other ugly thing for me came in what I feel was the game changing minute, which was in the 67th minute, three man white cap break. Mm. Gold has white and Vitators inside, plays the ball inside. Now, a striker is always going to try and take the ball, and that's what White did, but he had a horrible, heavy first touch. He should have left it for Vite that was wide open. Did Vite give him a shout? We don't yeah. know. That's that's the thing, because if Vite didn't give the shout, then that's on Vite. If Vite did give the shout, then it's on Gold, but it was, it was... Oh, sorry, it's on White, yeah. Um, yeah. It was horrible. It was just... Yeah. You go two goals up there, and that's a win in the bag, I think. Yeah, they, I don't know if they have. Do they have code words when they 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 want like the dummy given or something like that, or do they just shout the player's name? Octopus. You can octopus. Do that. That's yeah. Uh, it might just be Caitlin and me. That's a special word. Um, but the other thing that I felt was ugly was the the pitch on TV. I don't know. Har can probably tell us what it looked like Thank in, in you. person. Finally, someone's bringing up the pitch. Yeah, the well, pitch we're going to looked... talk a little bit about Apple and stuff in the fourth part. But yeah, let's okay. talk about the pitch just now because it uh, it did look horrible on it, it. But it often looks horrible on TV, and it looks fine in the stadium. Yeah. So how did how was it in the stadium, Har? It looked awful. Like <laughs> like like not like not like worse than normal, I guess. <laughs> trying to say it, just, it was. It just didn't look good. It was very green. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, it I, looked, I think maybe it, the weather is maybe a factor. I don't know how cold temperatures work with artificial turf, but maybe that's a factor. I don't know. Yeah, it was it's, very similar to like a, a, a one of the final seasons the Whitecaps had in um, the USL or whatever. The, when they when they went to visit the Rhinos or something or Baltimore, Rochester. sorry, Baltimore. Uh, they were oh. in Baltimore, and the and the way that pitch looked on YouTube. Um, it actually gave me a headache. I couldn't watch the. I had to turn off the game. Maybe listen. I listened to it. I couldn't watch it because it was so bad. The visuals. Caitlin actually. Complaints about it. 
Yeah, Caitlin actually said to me, she looked up at one point, and she's like, oh, that pitch looks awful. And I was like, yeah. Um, yeah Kirk, Kirk said the same thing. He's like, why does the pitch look so awful? And he's seen it up close lots, right? And he's like, it looks terrible on TV. Someone DM'd me as well and said their wife had said, oh, it looks terrible. Went, My wife's just said exactly the same thing right at the same time. But I, there was also an issue for me as well. I, like you, you said you had some audio things at the start, Zach, that I wasn't picking up. But then it was like, Kind of like a, a crack, like kept going. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it I was heard so irritating. I, I heard the same thing. I don't know if it's the, 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 the like. I didn't notice it in the other games. No, that I watched, there was yeah. no other games. So game. yeah. a, a couple I think, of the think, other pitches didn't look great. The artificial ones, but didn't yeah. look as bad as BC plays. But there was no other sound issues. Yeah, and it the, seemed to they, be whenever the stadium, like at the goal, whenever Don Gate spoke, the sound mm-hmm. just went to pop. Yeah, I think they need to. I don't know if it's a sound thing or it's the Wi-Fi thing there, but they need to boost their internet. Uh, well, yeah. Tell us, is the sponsor? They need to get on there. <laughs> well, they, it. Was, for, at first, for us, it seemed like whenever they did a digital thing on the screen, we had yeah, this weird audio or whatever. But um, yeah, I don't know. Well, hopefully, hopefully, it's something that they can. Uh, can they look. I saw some other people online ask, asking about it, and I saw a few people say, "Oh no, I had no issues." But I mean it. It was better watching on on Apple than it was on TSN. Yeah, oh. I was going to watch it on TSN. It's like, oh, so God, it's I. Caldwell. Let's get the Apple. Yeah, feed and there was a there was a couple of like when 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 the Apple feed ended and I, I switched back to thing. It, it you could like, oh, I, you knew they were in the studio because I think they just done the TFC DC United game, right? Obviously yeah. they're in a, they're not there, but it, you didn't really make it sound good. So, like you gotta, there, there's. I've seen other people with it doing it in studio, and it sounds better. I don't understand why it doesn't sound good. Why these guys can't make it sound good? So if they're how, not gonna how, save money? How did that work? So, uh, Price and Dolan were calling it for Apple TV. Yeah, so they've they've been hired as the Apple TV commentators. Oh, okay. So because which this really was a TSN me, game, it's the TSN presenters. Really mm-hmm. wants to make me want to buy the Apple thing just to, so I don't have to listen to the other guys. You know what? I'd rather. I, I mean, I just don't. I'm not a fan of Price. Like, I, I, I don't dislike Caldwell the way you do, Michael. But I, I like Wildman and I like Dolan. If I could get Wildman and Dolan, Dolan together, that would be my. See, oh, I don't. Of the four. Yeah. I don't mind Price, but I feel Dolan's superior to Caldwell. Like a uh, Price, yeah. I can. You oh, know, I'm whatever. That. I'm not, I think I don't Blake's have, like, got a, a lot better doing this. I, yeah, I, I, I actually so really like Blake doing these. Now, one other ugly thing from the game that I I missed at the time. I missed while we were recording this podcast, but I saw it after we had finished recording on Twitter, and I was so pissed off, I've jumped back on the mic to record this extra bit to splice into the show, to go in the ugly thing, because this is one of the ugliest things that you see in football, and that is a spitting incident. RSL's Jasper Loffelsund, Got a yellow card in the first half for a tackle on Christian Dahomey. When you watch the video back, the replay from an angle, as Dahomey's hitting the deck, you see Lawful send spit towards him. Absolutely disgusting, absolutely scumbag thing for him to do. I hope Disco throw the book at him. Should have been a red card. How did VAR not pick that up? But just disgusting, disgusting stuff. And I hope he really gets punished for it. I hate spitting so much. Last couple of things quickly. The attendance was 19,614, which is is decent. But it's also the third worst home 
opening attendance that they've had. The worst one was last year, which was 18,043. And then 2017, they had 19,083. These are now, the only games that's been under 20,000. Now, 19,000, is that tickets sold again, or is that attendance? Tickets sold. Tickets sold. I think it was tickets sold, but it actually looked pretty pretty but, good. I thought there would be a lot of folk didn't make it down. So the, it but remember, Vancouver is a walk-up uh, like attendance. Like they they like have walk up attendance. Like so, yeah. you're gonna get a lot of people buying at the game or just before the game or something like that. And they probably saw the weather um, warnings and everything, and they go, "I'm not heading downtown." Look at the three of us. We we were there's no way I was gonna go head down that way. Yeah. Um. Uh. So, yeah. I I, I think that I think if the weather there wasn't a snowstorm coming, I think you could probably add another three thousand to four thousand people. That potentially could I thought it was a really good crowd. Axel had mentioned 9,000 was just over a little over 9k was the season ticket, so I was pleasantly surprised they got 19k. Yeah, I think it's season tickets and flex passes is how it's always been before. So that's yeah, Yeah. so the the way they've told told us in the past is it's season ticket slash season ticket equivalents. So, yeah, they're half season two half season tickets equals one full or. However many flex packs equals one full, or that that's how they usually calculate it. So some some fun facts. How is always about the fun facts, just to end this. This is the sixth time that the Whitecaps have lost their first game. They've had one draw in that time as well, uh, and six wins. They've made the playoffs five seasons in their MLS history, but only once have they done so after losing their first game, and that was 2015, which was quite a special Whitecaps team, really. Mm -hmm. What's your thoughts heading into San Jose? Is this a team that's going to rebound quickly? Are they going to make the necessary adjustments? Saw a lot of people piling on Vanny online and feeling he was out-coached and he's not the coach to get the best out of this team. Is the pressure on him right away? I I think that there's... Uh, there'll be public pressure or like you know fan pressure or whatever. I don't think there's a huge internal, like I don't think they're pressing the panic button. Like, I don't think Axel, you know, somewhere, you know, downtown is 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 totally freaking out. He might have a conversation. He might be disappointed at the lack of adjustment, whatever. But uh, I think, and I think to to Van to Vanny's credit, uh, hopefully he learns from from that and learns that they they needed to make. Uh, you know adjustments to to counter our sales adjustments and yeah i mean going into san jose i think san jose like we'll talk about in a few minutes michael um you know are also coming off a very disappointing 2-1 uh, opening day defeat where they they felt they should have gotten something from it the Te- same they way really Vancouver. should have caught something from it um but uh so i think uh, i think you know based on uh, two of what we talked about in the 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 preview show of the season if you're Vancouver, you got to be going to San Jose expecting to get no less than one point. Yeah, I would say Vanny is right now. I personally uh, would see Vanny as like somewhat on a short lease. I don't think they're panicking, but they're going to give them, if this doesn't, like, if results are very similar to last year where they have a bad start uh, within 10 games, I could see him out the door and they bring somebody in because they need to. They need to get something out of this season. What is this, 2011? Well, they've, they've talked so much about needing a fast start. And yeah, it's like they've got off to the worst start. 
Yeah, well, and if did... it, well, it's only one game. Like, I'm not going to throw well, in yeah, no, one of the yeah, sorry. Game. Just, but, it's not been a great but start. If, but if, like, I could see within 10 games that if they are maybe have five points or something like that, one win, a couple draws, and the rest are losses. Out of the Champions could, League. Yeah, yeah, and th- that could be something that at that point they just didn't, they realized they have a reset. I wouldn't be surprised that if they had like candidates that they were thinking of before the season even started. Like I would like in, in I always feel like um, when you're when you are a team that has had multiple bad starts to a season and it's not going well, I think that's something you have to look at all the time. You have to look the best for the organization. You don't just say, oh, and you do it really quietly, but you kind of have internal mm. talks about whether you know sensible. what point what point you're going to do it because you just can't rely on Uber Eats uh, giving you the you know motivation to, to fire somebody. This sounds a lot familiar to with what happened to the coach across the street who was mm. canned while his replacement was waiting like next door to come in. Uh, yeah, I but that think... was, they, they, they made that public though. That's the thing. That's the difference there. They made that very public. I do think that Vanny is under the pressure, but as uh, Zach said, I don't think it's internally. I think they'll give him a, a good run to see how he does this season. Uh, like who are they going to replace him with if he does go I just don't see it happening for at least maybe a month or two. Well, that, that, I mean, that is the thing, right? Would they, would they, are they going to continue after Vanny, whenever that is, are they going to continue with the not super experienced, cheaper option on the, on the coaching front? Or are they going to invest yeah. in someone with more experience? The one other thing I want to ask you guys were there is in his Friday thing. I found her interesting, his Friday press conference where he was talking about next year. And he said, if, you know, if I'm here next year, That 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 kind of goes back to, he was asked, I think on Wednesday, about the fact, oh, it was on the the Donnie and Dally show, about how this is the last year of his contract, and does does that put extra pressure on him? So I think it was kind of coming out of that as well, but I wouldn't read too much into that. But he knows he hasn't got a contract beyond this year, so he knows the pressure's on. And I would imagine the Whitecaps would go from maybe an assistant in MLS, maybe somebody in a... Washington, well, we've already talked about it. It's Rick, Washington Ricardo DC Clark. club or something. Yeah, no, it would be Ricardo Clark, wouldn't it? That would be the the natural Whitecaps progression. It it would be very Whitecapsy. But that is it for our Whitecaps RSL chat. Wasn't the best start to the MLS season for the Whitecaps, but we'll have a look around the rest of MLS West after this. Hi, I'm Ryan Gold, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's a band from Fife in Scotland. They're East Fife supporters. They do the theme tune for my East Fife podcast, Glory Days of Gold. They're called Got Got Need. That is the opening song from their new three-track Filtered Smile EP. It's called Invincible. Go out and support the guys. If you like the song, add it to your playlists. If you want to buy the song on Spotify or Apple or wherever you get your music, please do that to help support them as well. Got Got Need is the name of the band. They would very much appreciate it. I think that's an absolute belter of a track from them. Assuming the the, the their name of their thing is from collectibles, like it soccer is. cards yes. or hockey cards, because that's what... Yes. When I whenever when I bought hockey cards back in the day with the you know that really bad gum, I don't know if you guys Zach might know, uh, but uh, the I always 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 like got it got it need it need it need it that's what that's what every time I opened a new pack. Yeah, I we used to get bubble gum cards in the seventies, um, and then the, there was the NESL cards from the seventies as well that came with bubble gum, which I yeah. ordered some that still had the bubble gum in it, and I'm tempted. Should I try it? I mean, what could I don't go think wrong there's any with... harm. I was told yes. that that gum could last about a hundred years, like potentially you can, it can last through a nuclear disaster. Um, so Har says yes. Told. I'll bring it for her at the next home game, and <laughs> she, but we'll I have half it each. It's got no peanuts in it. It's fine. Okay. Yeah. I, I think it was the seventies. Who knows? Everything was allowed in the seventies. Yeah. Maybe we should move on quickly from that. So that song there was called Invincible. And at the end of the first weekend of action in Major League Soccer for 2023, 16 teams still have a chance of being the unbeaten Invincibles of MLS this year. The Whitecaps sadly aren't one of them, of course. 13 teams, five of them in the West, have a chance to have 100% records for this season after winning their opening matches. It would be quite something if any team did actually have an invincible season. It's it's rare just throughout football in the world in general, even with leagues where you've got really top teams running away with it. But always something to hold on for, and some teams still have that opportunity. But let's have a look around the action in the MLS West this opening weekend. We'll kick things off in Atlanta, one of the games of the weekend. Atlanta 2, San Jose 1, and wow. This is why you go out and you sign a World Cup winner. Jeremy, Abel BC, opened the scoring for the Quakes with a 13th minute header. Arojo missed a horrible penalty for Atlanta in the 39th minute, missed the target completely. Then San Jose looked like they'd done enough to hold on. The game was heading into second half stoppage time. They must have thought they'd come away with three huge points, but then up stepped Thiago Almada. The Argentine levelled in the 93rd minute and then hit a stunning free-kick winner in the 99th minute. Great start for Atlanta, great start for Almada, with people already talking about he's going to get transferred for a club record fee out of MLS anytime soon. Could we get a World Cup winner, do you think? Maybe one of the homeless World Cups. <laughs> Some of those guys look quite good. I'm sure they could get them for a pretty good deal here in Vancouver. Uh, last week, you'll remember I... Uh... I said maybe uh, San Jose overpaid for Ebobise. Yeah. <laughs> what do you know, Zach? Yeah. I, I think this the is game, a huge... you, you said the game was great, but it was I, the, the parts of the game I watched didn't weren't that great, like aside from the comeback at the end. Uh, maybe just, just com- at the end. 
the back the end of the game is usually can can alter the your thoughts on the entire game sometimes. Yeah. Um, I I just feel like this is a huge year for Atlanta, uh, because they've kind of like fluttered. They came in obviously huge when they first get entered the league, and now really they've kind of like kind of middling team, and so they need to like step it up if they wanted to like go with what they were trying to do at the beginning. Yeah, they they're the they're uh, a club in MLS who to- who did very well to take advantage of the increased amount of gam that you know new teams get, and as that as they get weaned off of that. You've seen them kind of decline, and now they're they've had to refigure themselves out in terms of, like in terms of the playing side. Massive players have moved on, and yeah, this is a nice start to the season for them. Well, I mean, they don't take gamma everywhere. I tried to get a cauliflower in it in Loblaws, and they just looked at me like I was some kind of crazy person. Cincinnati two, Houston one. Since he took the lead through Sergio Santos, Tate Schmidt headed home a Herrera free kick unmarked three minutes into stoppage time to tie things up for Houston. But the parity didn't last long as Wobodo restored Cincinnati's lead three minutes after the restart. That proved to be the winner. Not a fantastic game. Houston and San Jose, the two teams that I had down the bottom in the MLS West, getting off to losing starts, keeping the white caps off the bottom spot. So that's good as well. And then I think game of the weekend. And oh. one that Xanhar sits up right away for this. Austin 2, St. Louis 3. I, I really enjoyed this. I, I watched it on Apple in full, end-to-end action really in this one. Fantastic match and well done, St. Louis City, on their first ever MLS win. They got it in some style. It was a new team's first match with a couple of familiar Whitecaps faces in there to please her. Both teams had to make subs for injuries in the opening 17 minutes. 24th minute, St. Louis get the first ever MLS goal. And it comes from the head of a rejuvenated Tim Parker. Got to the corner before the keeper har, and you were obviously very happy for Timmy, as I think we all were. Yeah, it was a great goal. Maybe not that happy then. <laughs> then four minutes in the first half stoppage time, a sublime Sebastian. Oh, what a, what a goal! What a finish. Oh, you think it comes through, Tim? He's going to take it round the keeper. Deft little chip over. That Fantastic. was like one of the goals of the weekend. Yeah. Harsh though in St. Louis, they were the much better team in that first half. And then Austin went ahead in a nice John Gallagher goal in the 72nd minute. Jake Nerwinski's fault her. No, I don't think so. Should he not have put a tackle in? I think he was doing the best that he could in that situation. He oh had his my. hands up. Yeah, the best. Well, yeah, he saw a police <laughs> officer on the side of the pitch. Did you say? He, did you say he did the best he could do in that situation? What are you, Vanny? I did say that, yeah. So another player could have done better. Is that what I'm hearing you saying? <laughs> I'm saying I'm saying he did the best in the situation he was put in that he could yep. do. The best situation, yeah. Maybe he was covering the space really well, and he forgot the man. <laughs> oh, possibly. Yes, possibly. But it didn't um, matter anyway. But they won the game, so yes. Wow. What? I think I, I think with with time Jake will get that white caps like like stink off him and maybe it'll take a little bit of time for him to like exactly. kind of get going. So like to, to to be honest, I think Jake's a very serviceable MLS player and he's playing in his proper position of right back. And what a unique idea playing a right back as right back. 
It's so what unusual. What about that second goal for St. Louis? What was Austin doing? Whoa. I mean, that, that like crazy. at the end of your year when you're doing your awards and you've got Hyler of the Year, yeah. if anything beats that, I can't wait to see it. Kirk said, to me, Kirk said to me, he's like, that's like a misplay of the year right there. And it's like, well, I think he looked up, saw Jared Stroud, and thought, oh, he's on my team. Yeah, I know that guy. Yeah, I know him. I've seen him at training. Passed the ball back to him. It's like, oh, shit, he's in a different jersey now. <laughs> And Stride must have been like, oh, uh, okay, thanks very much. I wasn't expecting that. Tucked and, he, and, he, and he very, very not kindly didn't celebrate. Yeah, didn't celebrate. <laughs> I'd have been straight up to, to Keller going, <laughs> although he didn't get a very good reaction when he got oh, summed yeah. off. He was getting the gears. And it's like, look, the guy's just not celebrated when scoring against you. He yeah. obviously still respects you. Maybe give him some respect back. Yeah. Next time he'll be like, I think that might have been lost on some of those Texans. Yes. I, I think, Zach, we were chatting, we felt there was another goal, at least in the game. Oh, yeah. And, and there was, because if Austin's defence on that second goal was like giving gifts on Christmas Day, then it was fitting that it was a Mr. Claus that then scored the winner, or Klaus, if we want to be exact. The Brazilian DP sending his team and their travelling supporters into ecstasy, with a well-taken winner, four minutes from time, really nice for them. And the, the way he cut back, and then the, the keeper, yeah. I think for sure, oh, he's going inside of his left, and then he used outside of his right. It was it was a quality. Lots thing. of patience. Mm. Did he get hurt celebrating though? Or did I think he, just he I think down? he cramped up, and then it just never came back. Yeah. And he too also they were there was lots of banter for him as he was going off. Yes. And he was like, oh, he was really like, enjoying it. Well, he, he was enjoying it because he was winning. Yeah, he's like, yeah, he just he turned, three, like you right? see that? That was me that did that. It could be a good rivalry between those teams. Yeah. Yeah. Austin did hit the bar with basically the last action of the match, but the newbies came away with an impressive three points. And we know in this league, getting points on the board early is crucial. And yeah. you want to get off to that fast start. And the Happy. defense played great. Not really. I'm happy for Roman Berkey and good on Timmy. And of course, Lutz. And Lutz, yeah. yes. The one thing is, is that Kip Keller, like, you know, that, you know, the how are you guys talking about? It It really, for some reason, hasn't showed up that much on, like, social media. It's like people have... Really? I'm amazed. Yeah. Like, on YouTube, like, probably on, maybe on Twitter it's being shared, but on YouTube there's very few videos on it. You, wait, wait till Christmas? What? <laughs> wait till Christmas. <laughs> Yeah, it's, yeah. That, another Dallas team went down to 1-0 defeat. This was a horrible game, really. 1-0 <laughs> Minnesota at Dallas. Garcia hit the only goal of the game in the 48th minute after Frajapane's fierce strike was parried by the keeper into his path. He finished with a plum from about 12 yards out. I'd say the worrying thing to take from this game is Dallas, at home, mustered just one shot on target. Yeah, not good. They also gave, I have to dig this out, because the post-game, head coach Nico Estevez of Dallas said, we won the expected goals battle. Are you serious? Yeah. That was a Greg Berhalter uh, type of line there. Because he's always talking about expected goals. That is, like, uh, that's asinine. That's That, like, if you're a fan hearing that, I think right away you're like, yeah, I want him out. Yeah. Yeah, that's, like, you can talk about that if you're close, but if you only got one shot on goal and you're saying that, I 
it's, it's mind-boggling to me. Because I think something about expected goals is about like how the flow of the game was. It shows that you should have scored a number of goals, but I don't get it at all. Yeah. The, fans, sense. the fans can tell him he's winning the race to uh, be the first sack manager of the year in MLS. Yeah. To ask him when they come up here in a couple weeks. Yeah. Of course, now watch it hard. They'll win here. <laughs> you won't be able to ask that in the humorous way you want to. And then Vanny will be like, well, we won the expected goals battle. <laughs> yeah, you could ask that. Yeah, we covered all the zones. We were perfect. Perfect. So the exact quote was, we won the game on expected goals. One oh my. to 0.06. By the end of the day, it's to score and to execute. And we didn't today. You, you you never win a game on expected goals. It's like being like we won the game on corners. Yeah. <laughs> Bizarre. Anyway, game on Sunday. I forgot it was on. Didn't watch it live. Ended up watching the highlights. Seattle 4, Colorado 0. Seattle go to the top of the West. And they started the season with a bang. Both teams hit the bar in the first four minutes. And that was as good as it got for the Rapids. Yeah. Seattle scored two in each half. Jordan Morris got a pair of not exactly spectacular headers, but at the end of the day, they all count. Um, Heber got his first goal in a Sounders jersey. And Christian Rodan started to write off in the 25th minute. Colorado, though, looked really poor, especially defensively. Yeah, yeah the goals were not great from, from the Flanders in this game. What was great was their uh, opening day TIFO. I don't know if you saw, if you, if you saw that, but it was quite... Uh... Quite a nice effort from I didn't ECS. Actually, no. It was uh, it was like uh, it was on the top, um, but it was Brian Schmetzer DJing, and on the bottom it said, "Don't call it a comeback." It was very good, uh, very well um, done. Like uh, a question for you guys because you guys are probably I don't know if you guys have talked about this yet. The Sounders like uh, Bruce Lee kit that there's coming. That yeah, that out. was my number one jersey. Yeah, my season. cousin is interested in getting it because he's a a Bruce Lee big Bruce Lee fan. I, but I told him that if you're going to get it, you have to let me buy you a patch to cover up the Sounders patch if, if you're going to buy it. Because there are like Bruce Lee patches out there. So you can actually get a, like a Bruce Lee patch and to cover it up. So I told him, if you, if you do this, you got to get let me get a patch. So that's acceptable then, right? I don't have to disagree. Yeah, I, I, saw that there, I saw that there was some scarves with the, the design on it as well at the game. Yeah. There might be some other SSFC stuff on the thing you might have to cover yeah. up too yeah we just, Zach, we just... zach's really good at covering up stuff that's got ss on it so it's like just have a word with him <laughs> you just set yourself up there Siders is what i meant when he moved to oh, collective gotcha. not, not sure about what else you guys are talking about so two games were postponed of course this weekend the la derby was postponed for thunderstorms rain. and, and they, rain and and they rain. just shifted it back a few days. Yeah, they just shifted it back to July fourth. <laughs> I guess the good, the good thing is you can't say it was they they put out the traveling fans at least you know. No, I, yeah, at least that. Other than Manu Manu Vet went down for the LA Derby. He did, but he got to tour all these other things, so he, he, I'm sure he was happy. Oh, he had fun, yeah. But yeah, Baseball. Portland KC was pushed back for snow. And then I'd looked at the weather and the weather app hadn't said snow. And then I saw a picture of the pitch and it's like thick, thick snow in Portland. So that made sense. So that snow delayed game was the final action in Major League Soccer for the opening weekend. And it ended with a second Cascadian victory as well in two days. The Whitecaps, the only Cascadian team to let the side down, so to speak. 
Portland come away with a 1-0 win over Sporting Kansas City. Juan Mascara got the only goal of the game just six minutes in as well. Took it well, nice finish under the keeper. Appeals for, from Casey for offside, but it was a, a good goal in the end. Both teams had their chances. Casey had the chance to tie things up. The Timbers had the chance to put it away. Overall, having not made the, the postseason last year, it was a good win for Portland and gets this campaign off to a good start. The only bad thing for them really was that Jimmy Chara went off in the 33rd minute with an injury and they'll be hoping that one isn't too serious. Haven't heard the the update at the time of recording this right after the match. So the first weekend of action ends with Seattle top of the pile on goal difference with four goals scored and none conceded for their three points. Five teams won their opening game, Seattle, St. Louis, Salt Lake, Minnesota and Portland. And rooted at the bottom, it's Colorado with their minus four goal difference. Six other teams on minus one goal difference after their opening game defeats. And the only other thing to make note of here, we spoke a lot about this in the build-up to these games, that there's teams that didn't qualify for the playoffs last season that you know are going to be pushing hard to get above the line this year, obviously aided by the fact that it's nine teams getting in from the 14. But of those seven teams that did not qualify last year for the postseason, it is only Seattle and Portland that got wins on the opening weekend this year. So maybe there isn't going to be too much difference. But Vancouver finished the opening weekend in ninth position. That's good enough for a playing game at least. Small victories and from little acorns did giant chestnuts grow. So that was the West. We're not really going to look at the East, but I do want to cover a little bit of the Canadian content, the two Canadian teams. So it was DC3... Toronto 2, lovely 13th minute low long ranger from Klitsch to put DC up. No one challenged, he walked in from the half. Like yeah, it was what, about 40 half. yards? Was it yeah. from his own half? Yes, it was inside the half. I thought he got it just he... inside the other half. Oh, wow. No, it was bad. Um, TFC fought back in the second, though. Ben Desky penalty in the 66th. Nice penalty. Late. Or DC needed Isaac Bowman goals to, to keep that one out. And 16-year-old Akin Bonnie gave away a stupid penalty with a, a challenge on Lorea. It's got to be said. Yeah. They, just, it's the impetuousness of youth. I think that's what it was. It was a very calm, cool, collected penalty. And then Mark Anthony Kay looked like they may have got the winner for them with seven minutes to go. And I've seen Mark get a lot of abuse online, folks saying he's just not good enough. He's lost a step. They need to replace him. So I think that's a big moment for him to get that yeah. as a, a confidence booster. V- nice volley as well. He still had a lot t- to do after Tyler Miller had tipped a Bendeski free kick. Fantastic free kick, by the way. Yeah. Into the post. Only for late drama. Christian Benteke levelled in the 90th with a header. A nice little push-off as well. Loses marker, I thought. And the, the drama in the Atlanta game... Drama in this one as well as Theodore Cu Di Pietro got a 98th minute winner. Nice control to tuck it away. His first ever MLS goal. Great win for DC. You saw the joy in Robo as he celebrated with Rooney. Put himself in the shop window to take over again. It was him, right? I, I that was Robo. Yeah, it, it yeah. was. Well, that's Robo. Robo. Yeah. 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 
Uh, worryingly for TFC, and I haven't actually checked today to see the status of Insigne, he hobbled off with what looked like a groin injury in the first yeah. half. He just overstretched to get to a ball and pulled up right away. Did not look happy going to the bench. He'll be out a minimum, I would say, three weeks minimum. Oh dear, what shame, never mind. The Minister of Defence got invaded there too. Three times, so that's yes. Not, there. Not, not so much a, a good minister there. And then... Steve's Miami storming <laughs> off to a 2 0 win. His tip for the 2020 MLS Cup or 2021. It might even have been. I can't remember what year it was. <laughs> every year. It's every year, Steve. <laughs> 2 0 win over Montreal. A crotch goal, maybe from Christoph. Four minutes before half time, gave Miami the lead. Horrible, horrible Montreal defending. <laughs> they look like they might be in tough this year with all their departures then yeah. Orgeland sealed the deal for Miami in the 76th. Pant- Pantamus was put off because Miami won the near post header off the corner and so he was kind of coming to it and the ball got looped over him and he was like in no man's land and yeah the guy sort of quadded, quad crotched it into the net and then Pantamus of course got made a, um, a free kick and he poorly handled the ball and as the rebound came out, then he got injured, right? And he had to be subbed off. Oh, yeah. Aha. Uh-huh. Or Sirwa. So Sirwa came in. So, yeah. Hasn't been a great off-season for Montreal in terms of players. And no. it does look like they could be in tough with that. But that is it for our MLS chat. So, Har, I know you have to leave us just now. So, where can folk find you online? Uh, you can find my stuff on the internet. So... Uh, go on the internet, find it, read it, like it, and share it with your friends. So thank you for the support, everyone. That's great. Thank you so much to Har for joining us for the first three parts. We've still got a part to go, though, and we'll be looking at the MLS pass on Apple TV and some local soccer club news that's not Whitecaps related after this. Hey, I'm Julian Gressel, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Mention the Lord of the Rings just once more and I'll more than likely kill you. More cock, more cock, Michael, more cock, you fervently moan. Is this a walk that you shove down my throat or are you just pleased to see me? Brian Moore's head looks uncannily like London Planetarium. Like to still believe are alive or dead So I'll wipe my snot on the arm of your chair As you put another Roger Dean poster on the wall God, I could murder a Cadbury's plate But then I guess you wouldn't let me into heaven Or maybe you would Cause their adverts promote oral sex Romany bins in a field with her paints Suggesting we faint at her beauty But she's got Dickie Davis eyes Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM And kicking off this part is perennial favourites here at AFT and Towers 
Half Man Half Biscuit with a single on their second album back again in the DHSS. It reached number 86 in the UK charts but number one in the UK indie charts. It's not one of their football songs but it does feature a football reference in it. It's a play on Kim Carnes' song Betty Davis Eyes. That was Dickie Davis Eyes. Dickie Davis was a famous UK sports presenter. He presented a a sports show called World of Sport on ITV from 1968 to 1985, a host of other things. That song does feature the line, Brian Moore's head looks uncannily like London Planetarium, which is name-checking another legendary football commentator, Brian Moore, was also the name of a Gillingham FC fanzine that we swapped with AFTN back in the day. But I dug that out because last show we paid tribute to the late, great John Motson, who passed away on Thursday. Four days before that, another legend from UK sports broadcasting, Dickie Davis, passed away. The man name-checked in that song. Passed away last Sunday, aged 94. And if you're around my age and from the UK, then he was the sporting anchor from your kind of childhood that you just grew up watching. World of Sport had... Everything on it had football, it had darts, it had NFL. That's the first of me seeing NFL games on UK TV. He presented that. And wrestling, Steve. Big Daddy, Giant Haystacks, the old school wrestling. Was it similar to, I guess it was similar to what we had on ABC. Zach probably remembers the wild world of sports. I uh, think it was something like that from what I've seen and read about that, yeah. Yeah, I think it was like, that's where the line came, the thrill of victory, the agony of defeat, or something like that. I can't remember. I think that's where that term came from. So it's probably very similar. Probably ABC probably got that idea from ITV. In fact, I think the guy that hosted the Wild World of Sports was uh, the guy that called uh, the Whitecaps a village, or Vancouver a village, the village of Vancouver. He's the one that actually said it. He was the ah. main host of the Wild World of Sports, so it's actually got a white caps tie too. That's the wanker we have to thank for that whole marketing campaign. Well, well he didn't know what the I time. like. He thought it, it was. A, he thought it was a village. Good. I'm joking. I like. I like. I like uh, the original. The marketing campaign was awful, in my opinion. Yeah, Village of the Damned. That's a good film. Not about the white caps. You, you but they stopped. They stopped. They had to stop using the village because MLS went to cities last year, right, or whatever. Oh, really? Ah, interesting. I I like the whole village marketing campaign, but so we're going to talk about a couple of things in this part. We're going to look at some news coming out in the local soccer scene, non-white catch related. But want to just start this part by having a little chat about the MLS Pass on Apple TV. I thought it was a very good opening weekend for it. I've got to say, I was pretty impressed with what I saw. Obviously, they are kind of preaching to the converted here with with fans that got it with their season tickets or or media and folk that are are fans of the the league. It's the casuals, obviously, that they really need to convert to make it worthwhile financially for them. But I think on the whole, it it was a great start. Um, Zach, I know you got a chance to watch some games. It was free to everyone this opening weekend. So, I mean, what, what did you make of it, Zach? Yeah, I thought it was great. Uh, I think, uh, like you said, I think earlier the the fact that all the games are in 4K is is very very noticeable. Well, actually, it turns out they're filmed in 4K, but the output is 1080p. Oh, okay. 
Because well, anyways, it looks better than most yeah. of the stuff uh, you, you get on. Uh, well, considering like football that you've got at seven twenty, and I watched a game on that recently, and I was like, "Geez, the quality was just absolutely shocking." Actually, it might have been one of the one soccer games that I watched on it. I think it was actually it was the it was one of the the she believes games that I watched on it. I thought it was terrible quality. Yeah, like I, I sometimes I think once a week uh, in the Bundesliga you'll get the 4K on Sportsnet, and so yeah, I always notice when I watch that match live or, or PVR that match. Um, this week it was uh, Dortmund Hoffenheim, and it felt like that. Yeah, it felt like really so much better, better quality. I think the the most enjoyable part though was was uh, you know they they. Uh, 360 the, right the, the triple round show yeah as I like 360 which is like i think the in the bundesliga i don't know if they still do it i think they do it's i think it's called conference where yeah they have all the games going and when something happens they go to a game or whatever i think that was really really well done obviously we'll talk in a minute about ways they can improve that um but uh that was that was enjoyable i think i think for the like you said michael for those who are into mls already I think this will make them like the league more as a, on a whole, not just their own club that they you know that they support it week in week out. And I think uh, you know I saw Bill Bill Curry talking about this online. Like this, he thinks this will help move other sports forward in North America in, in a similar way. Mm. Um, but yeah, I thought it was I thought it was really 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 good. What and I like too how, how they had mo- most of the games in the one slot. I know this, they had the delays and whatever, but like you had that one game standalone early, and then you had almost all the games kind of going at one time. Yeah, it that's was what they're quite enjoyable. For. What what do you what do you mean moving other sports forwards? I didn't get that. Uh, I think the, the whip around or whatever, like the 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 three sixty show where you have um, commentators talking about different games and then going live when something significant well, is happening. Well, they they already do that with NFL. Let's call the red zone. Oh, yeah, there you oh, go. Yeah, of course, yeah. They, yeah. Already, they already have that. So, and NHL, they no, they don't have that. But the the one thing that about the uh, well, actually, that might be a negative. So I'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> um, the one, the positive, um, I actually liked was uh, it was very easy to navigate on the app yeah. itself. Um, you can see the games coming up. You can see the you know the scores, the live scores. You can see if they're changing. Um, I, I, what. Uh, again, I'll talk about the negatives in a second, but I think the the ability to navigate in the app was really good. Um, I I I never got to see the yeah, the other parts of the shows like the whip around show and everything, so I can't really speak on that. Uh, but overall, I thought it was a, other than the Whitecaps like sound issues. I, I think it was really well presented. Yeah, I mean for for me, the big positive was the the picture quality. Uh, I thought it was absolutely phenomenal. Um, I don't even have a 4K TV for it to be shown on, and it, it was good. I liked that they had four-minute and one-minute previews for every game that you could yeah. go into to learn mm-hmm. a bit from each side and just some player interviews from the week, which I thought was good. The the MLS 360 for me, it's it's been what this league has needed for a while. The other thing that they really need is a proper highlight show, a one-stop shop, a match of the day style show that you just sit down, you get the highlights of every game, and then the pundits talking about the the main talking points of it. it it's something I'm used to growing up with match of the day sports scene in Scotland is the one that we've had. The only thing I would say, if we look at some negatives, 
from the, the 360, if we just look at that first of all, I I think they need to maybe not spoil what's coming up. I think they got better as the show went yeah, on. Yeah, they got better because there was a point they're like, hey, we're going to go to this game. Guess who scores the next goal? Like they mm-hmm. didn't tell you. Uh, but yeah, they could they can improve that, right? Because what you want, you don't want, I mean, I don't know if conference does, I don't know if the German thing does this. Because I think the German thing is, oh, there's a goal here. We'll go watch the replay. The thing that I liked that they did in this game was like, there's a goal coming up. They actually rewinded it for you a bit so you could see the play develop. And see yeah, you happened. don't know who's going to get yeah. it because the possession changed hands. Exactly, like, oh. yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then there was a couple of live moments that they'd cut to game and there was a goal as well, which was so, fantastic. Yeah. So the, the thing is, is why not even not even mention there's a goal coming up? Why not just go to the game? Because the NFL red zone, that's what they do. They oh, go, yeah, well, you could just say that, oh, there's, there's, a, there's a, an action the, point coming no, up. No, or... let, let, let's switch over. Let, just, no, just say let's switch oh, over to this game. Yeah. And, and then, then let it run out and then the goal happens. And then people understand, yeah, there's a goal coming up. Don't mention that there's a goal coming up. There's no need to do that. Because uh, people, are, if their people are watching 360, they're going to watch it anyways, no matter what, whether there's a goal or not. And that kind of gets you in the flow of the game kind of thing. The one thing I didn't like about, like, the whole point, if you're going to have one network doing all this and I, and, and you're going to have all the games at the same time, I felt there was very little interaction between, like, the whoever was at that, you know, head studio and the actual Whitecaps game. Like, there was no interaction. You want to have some kind of interaction saying, oh, it's crazy going on right here, and then just quick show a quick highlight or something in the Whitecaps game. Or, or like, like you know what I mean? Like, it's, like combine, combine all the games together, even though you're watching the one main game. What what if that game gets boring and something else crazy is going on? You can switch to that game very easily. Like, it, it's that's where you get a lot of casuals wanting to watch it then. Because you, if you're being informed about other things going on, you could catch something crazy happening. Because remember, yeah. you could you could start at any point too. You could like start the game and rewind it or whatever. The, the, all that stuff is available. I guess they would maybe feel that that would interrupt the flow of the game a little bit. But but there's I mean, sometimes when it's dead. And why yeah. wasn't there any halftime show at all? Well, yeah, that I think that's the only thing. I think the halftime show is kind of also the MLS three sixty. So if you want to see people talking about stuff, you go to that. Whereas the halftime, some of the games that I watched, you were just getting footage from the stadium. The Nashville game, yeah. for example, they they had the I, the that was cool. band playing, yeah. But I think that was because that was the standalone game, right? Possibly, but yeah, I, I'd be nice if every show had a halftime show. But then you're putting the pressure on on Dolly and Blake. They don't get much no, but of, they were, of a break. No, but then they could they, bring some me- local media in to to chat at halftime and the show no, and stuff as well. What, what I'm thinking is what I'm thinking is. The half like instead of showing the local thing, cut back to the studio, and they're the ones that take. Oh right, show. okay. And yeah, so then, yeah, that then, would have made uh, sense to save you having to come out of the game and go into the thing. Yeah, yeah. Like you don't even leave; you actually like cut into it. I, I maybe they just don't have that ability right now with the app, but that's something that should be done. Look, no, at, it definitely that. needs some something there. I mean, another thing as well is in Canada, there's no ads. Yeah. But in the yeah. US, there are ads. So what that led to in the 360 game is they would be saying, oh, we'll be back after this. And then you would just get a boring screen that just said MLS season pass. But in the US, they were showing ads. Now, I'd prefer no ads because you're paying for a service. But the still screen was horrible. Folks that I gave them the chance to go and make a cup of tea or grab a beer or whatever... But at the same time, it's eaten into the excitement of the game yeah. because it's like 
they should treat that as like a 45 minutes because you wouldn't go to an ad break during the game to yeah. keep the action going or do picture in picture if you're yeah. going to do something like AEW do picture in picture great I, I I think the way that they, they do stuff so that would be the way around that obviously in Canada you wouldn't get any picture in picture but then if you could have it where the game's still going on or something yeah, like that so you're in the flow of it something Oh, and so I I didn't like that. That kind of took away from my enjoyment. I, I, I don't bit. even know why there are ads. If you like, you like you said, you're paying for a service. Why are there ads in there? Yes, you can have something scrolling at the bottom or like an overlay or something like that of an ad. Yeah, but uh, I don't think there should be going to ads. I think that's uh, I'm okay with the ads, man. You there's ads everything you go when you if it's cable TV if you go to the movies. Whatever, Disney ads doesn't. In... Disney Plus doesn't have ads. Or... Yeah, there's no ads there. Disney there's Plus no ads on Netflix. But many, but many of the other services do. I know some watch. of them are looking at two things. One is with ads, and one you pay a bit more, and you yeah. get no yeah. ads. But I uh, mean, if I'm paying for something, I I would prefer yeah, not to have ads. If you're paying the you know the regular rate of whatever six ninety nine or whatever the rate is for M- uh, Apple, and then on top of that, you're paying another service fee for the games. I don't think you should have ads at all. I think it's but, it's, it's. But that's okay. But the, I, I'm. I think if they had advertised, it, we don't have ads. Then yeah, it's okay to expect no ads. But to expect just because it's a streaming service, no ad. There, there should be no ads. I, yeah, I don't know. No, again, again, I just, I just could, expected none. You could sell advertisements as an overlay, or like like Michael said, a picture in picture. You could do something like that, but I don't the, think there should be where it takes over the game completely. I, I think that they shouldn't have had the the breaks. Yeah, on the on the 360, there's no way that you should have had a break there and had nothing on the screen. If you're if you and then surely they could do it different in different regions because they weren't showing commercials in this region. So they should have just left it on one of the games. That would have been much, much Again, better. 360, did they say, oh, this this part of the game, this you know, package of the game is high, presented by something like that? Did they no, say because that? we're in no, Canada. No. See, that's, no, but that's the thing yeah. you want to do. That's, but that's also, it's worldwide as well. So it's like in, in the UK, in India, Australia, I wonder what it was like there. Yeah, although they probably had blank screen it. too. I'm mm. assuming they had blank screen. But that's where you do the sponsorship. Let's say, oh, this, uh, let's go to this game. It's sponsored by this or a company or whatever. So you have sponsorships in the game. That way. Or like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. That but, if good. anyone knows how to hack into it so we can get an EFTN logo up there, just get in yeah. touch. Yeah. The other thing that for me that wasn't great, and I just haven't figured this out, and I just don't know how I have to update, I can watch... Uh, the MLS stuff on my TV, Apple Plus, whatever, on my smart TV. I can't on my iPad for some reason. It won't. Ah, you Is might not have. Yeah, it's only a set operating system. Ah, uh, okay. So Har had that issue, whereas she could watch it on her iPad, but she couldn't watch it. No, she couldn't watch it on her iPad, but she could watch it on her iPhone because uh, it was okay. a new iPhone. So people that's got before I think it's sixteen point something. Yeah, older. It, older it doesn't software. work, which uh, isn't okay. ideal. I've got to say. Yeah. Um, that th- iPad I think is only like three years old too. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. The only other complaint I would have is th- I think you need less time looking at the back of the presenters' heads watching heads, the screen. Watching the screen, yeah. It's like yeah. I know you're watching it and stuff, but it's, we don't need to see the back of you watching it. Just show us the action. Yeah. So that that would be my only thing. But I mean that that's small complaints. On the whole, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. And it is week one. They obviously yeah. will learn a lot. Maybe I, less I, Taylor Twelman, something like that. Yeah, but. that would be good. I was, I remember I was telling you, Michael, it reminded me of being, you know, at the World Cup where I was watching B in all the time. And mm-hmm. they had like forty 
people they were cycling through all the time and with a lot of Kaylin Kyle in it as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, I liked how they were having different people for different games or different moments or whatever. And I remember I was watching, I was like, oh, like Bradley White Phillips is here. And then I was like, oh, Bradley White Phillips is, is gone now. Did they have people in the stadiums as well or no? Like live people in the stadiums? No, I don't think they Similar. did. So they didn't do this UK thing or anything like that? No. Like, okay. No, I was interesting as well because I, I watched the Whitecaps game back on TSN after and they didn't have the sideline reporters or folks speaking to Vanny. Yeah. So that They've that's, really that's pared down. That's an improvement. Yeah. I'm sure Vanny's happy about that as yeah. well. Yeah, but the thing is, is with that, it's like you, the, it is a common thing for broadcast to speak to the coach. So that probably jarred some people. Like, why is the coach speaking at halftime or something like that? So. That, I mean, on a whole, it was a great opening weekend. As Steve said, stuff's easy to find on it. Um, the the little documentaries they've got, there's going to be more stuff going up over the course of the season. So, yeah, so far, so good. There the were, like, some long-time broadcasters that have kind of not been included in this. One of them, Eddie Robertson yeah. in Houston, had tweeted out that he's been involved with the Dynamo for 17 years and just kicked to the curb. So... The night before, yeah, yeah, he didn't. Feel, yeah, that, that that's tough. Things like that are tough. They, they'd made a lot as well about how you could listen to the radio broadcast during the thing, and I wasn't able to find that. But it might just have been me. At least in no, the games, that I was trying to find it, but I was trying to play about. Yeah, I wasn't looking for it at all. So I, don't know, I wasn't looking try- for it during the Whitecaps when it was one of the other ones. I thought I'm going to yeah. try this and see, and I, I couldn't find it. it. Might just also, be that that club didn't have a radio, possibly commentary or, or something. But yeah. yeah. Let us know your thoughts. Let us know what you thought. AFT in Canada on Twitter, AFT in Canada at hotmail.com. So far, so good. Let's hope it continues. Just to round off the show, we'll just have some quick chats about some stuff happening with the other local teams here in the lower mainland. Let's start off with Vancouver FC. Got another pre-season win under their belt against the kind of... Unity FC, League One side, the guys that were kind of trialling for them. So it's a, a lot of folk trying to see if they can make the grade. You were out at the game, yeah. Zach. Thoughts on the game and just from chatting to the, the the folk that were at the game and anything that you want to share with us about it? Yeah, no, it was fun. It was nice. It was a nice, nice day, a little bit crisp. Because of some of my morning commitments, I missed the first couple of minutes of the game, but I got there just in time for the opening goal. It was a. Uh, it wasn't as bad as the Austin game, but it was a very bad back pass from uh, what's his name, Rocky Romeo. Am I mm. pronouncing that right? Um, anyways, he made a very bad back pass to one of the uh, Unity players who uh, rounded the non Callum Irving keeper <laughs> this this score. Um, Ro- Rocco or uh, Sir Romeo uh, in center, was playing center back alongside of Pele, not not the Brazilian. The Bel- I, the I would hope not, unless that Ouija board's worked to treat. <laughs> so he had a he had a couple. That was one moment. He also took a, a, a kind of a poor yellow card later, but then he did he did create and had a, a chance or two on set pieces later. Uh, the the goals for Vancouver. The one was at the other end. It was uh I can't remember who scored them now. Uh, it was it was a nice goal. The winning goal was a cracker from. Um, Again, I don't know his name, but number thirty-four. <laughs> I talked to him after the game briefly, but no, it, it was uh, it was it was fun to be at football. It was fun to be outside. Uh, it was, um, yeah, it was. There were some encouraging signs. 
obviously still a lot, lot to work on and still some players to bring in. Uh, I'm expecting we'll hear some some names and maybe even some names we recognize uh, coming uh, to, to the club soon. But yeah, it was good. Atipa, Atipa. Good to talk to David. Uh, David Osted was there. Um, Is he coming in as the goalkeeper? I'd take him. N- no, no. He's focusing on, on other things, which we'll talk about some other time with him. Yeah. Um, yeah, Rob Friend was hanging out. Uh, the Roger Roger brothers. Who else was there? There's a few other people. A bunch of a bunch of dudes from the a bunch of people from the fanatics were there, which was good. Um, and th- there's no truth to the rumors that the Rogers brothers are sponsoring the stadium, and it's going to be Rogers Arena. <laughs> no truth to the rumor you just made up. Ah. No, but it was fun. It was exciting. Uh, for those who want to get out and watch some of these games, that obviously was a midday game. Um, yeah, but, I missed uh, it. I was at the BC place. Food you were shoving, shoving your sh- shoving your face full of food for a whole um, hour. It was fantastic. The uh, the next one is uh, Monday, March sixth, yes, seven fifteen p.m. Right by Steve's uh, local football pitch, uh, Newton Athletic Park. Their little stadium there. And then my understanding EB5 is five well, United as the opposition, VMSL and provincial champions. Yep, so I'll should be, be a that. really, really good encounter. Also, what day is that again? Monday, March sixth. And a, a lot of well-known faces in that team as well. A lot of TSS players. Marcel De Jong plays for BB Five United. Also, Some guys my, that could my, make it maybe. But anyway, my understanding is that there will be another friendly. Or there will be a few more. Yeah, but one of them will be Saturday, March twenty-fifth at Minero in Richmond against the uh, Tigers. Oh, that hasn't been announced yet, but look for that to get confirmed and announced, and that'll be another fun one to go and watch. Fantastic! Yeah, looking forward to getting out to the BB Five game. That should be a, a good one. Yeah, so what, if the if the weather shows the way it's supposed to be right now, I, I could probably attend too. Well, they've got a roof as well at, yeah. at Newton, so that's that's always good. Uh, I just want to give a a quick mention to TSS Rovers. Tickets are on sale now for their Canadian Championship game at Swan Guard against Valor on April nineteenth. TSSFC.ca backslash tickets is the link to get that. You can also buy some tickets and donate it back to various youth clubs to get uh, people that maybe wouldn't be able to normally attend the game along to that one. TSSFC.ca backslash donate tickets is the link there. TSS were also on CTV Morning Live on Thursday. Jay Demerit, club ambassador, and Connor McMillan. One of the players were at the TSS. We're at the TSS studios, and we're not that big yet. CTV studios on Thursday morning. I went down with the guys for that one as well. That was a, a lot of fun. I, I guess I, I should do full disclosure as well and say that I am the media officer for TSS Rovers for this year for the Canadian Championship and stuff. So any other sort of blogs and podcasts, listen to this that maybe want to get some TSS coverage. Hit me up and we'll get you sorted out for that as well. So that is pretty much it for this show. But of course, we've still got time for this episode's wavelength. We're going back to a song from 2022 for this week from an Essex punk band. Just a two-piece punk band, but wait till you hear the noise that they generate. It's from their 2022 Lockdown Singles EP that you can get on Bandcamp and everywhere else where you get your music. They're called The Mefs, M-E-F-F-S. This is their song, Football.
Essex, England, The Maths Football. Hope you enjoyed that one. Check them out, themaths.bandcamp.com. That is it for the show. Just before we go, though, guys, let us know where they can find you online. Any final thoughts, Steve? Um, you can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. And um, I actually counted, I was keeping track. I said zone about, or zonal 36 times in this podcast. We'll see if we can beat that next time. Sure, Zach, we'll any final thoughts from you? Where can folk find you online? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Zachary AM or get in touch about the FV Fanatics on Twitter or at gmail.com. Looking forward to some more of this preseason for our local CPL side. And there will be, I don't know if you know this, Mike, there will be some other CPL sides visiting for preseason. Yes, I, yeah. my understanding is that a few of the CPL teams are coming through here to play some friendlies against local clubs. I got Halifax's preseason schedule today and I, I quickly checked to see if they were coming here. They're going to Florida. Losers. Who wants to go to the heat of Florida when you can come and play some cold weather games here in BC? Yeah. Anyway, I am Michael McCall. You can get all our stuff, AFT in Canada, on Twitter, AFT in Canada at hotmail.com if you want to get in touch by email. AFT in Canada is our YouTube handle as well. We'll be back with another episode soon, chatting about the Whitecaps game against San Jose, looking ahead to the Whitecaps Canadian Championship game. We'll have a nice player interview for you as well. We'll be back with that next weekend. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care. Stay safe in the snow, mourn the caps, and mourn Vancouver FC and TSS Rovers as well. Bye, everybody. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful, and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.